When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mr. Mick. Wiley. That was Skullcrack's version song theme of the Coffee and Hardcore theme song version. <laughs> it was. It's, it's our new theme song. It's like three shows in, right? You don't get used to it, though. It's so amazing. It's so good. Speaking of Skullcrack, they're going to be playing the 35th hardcore anniversary of Sheer Terror and Slapshot in October. I know. And they're coming to my neck of the woods and they're coming to your neck of the woods, right? Yeah. And my wife gave me the okay to buy a ticket. I think what? I'm going to try to... Yeah. <laughs> you sound so depressed about it. <laughs> well, still kind of weird because all the different COVID stuff going on, but I'm going right. to play by ear. I think I'm going to buy a ticket. If it doesn't work out, I'll sell it or something. Right. I get that. Um. We might we might go to uh, either Cincy or Cleveland for Audrey or for Audrey for Lindsay's birthday. Lindsay's birthday's in October, and that might be our. Which one's closest to you? Uh, they're both equal amount of distance. I'm trying to see which venue is nicer. Gotcha. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, let's bust in here. I got right. myself a bubbly water. Ooh. Drinking I'm drinking podcast. I'm drinking coffee from my. A Dolly Parton mug. There you go. <laughs> What's up? This is the Coffee and Hardcore podcast with myself, Wiley Willis from Chicago, Illinois, with my trusty co-host, Mick Cox from Parkersburg, West Virginia. That's right. He's not lying. <laughs> Welcome to the Coffee and Hardcore podcast. This is season two, episode seven. Seven? Seven. Right? It's seven. Ooh. Yeah. Titled Coffee and Hardcore Presents Tuning in 8 Bit. <laughs> Boom. So, how many episodes have we done so far, Mick? I don't know, but you know what? This is the crazy <laughs> thing. We're going to. Well, how gonna... many did we have in the first season? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Five, I think five. And so, if there was five in the last season and we're on seven, so that's 12 episodes. And. It was around this time last mm-hmm. last year. Was it last year? Yeah, last year that we started pushing uh, the Coffee and Hardcore podcast. We had um, 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 
who we had a couple. I'm trying to think of who we had uh, doing some uh, intros for us, some advertisement for us. We had uh, Eddie oh. from Skullcrack. Yeah. He did one for us. And then we also had uh, the singer for uh, Bad Brains. He did oh, one for HR. us. Yeah, he did one for us. Uh, we had the Mighty Jim uh, Chafin. We did. That's right. He, he did one for us. And then you did that awesome. Um, we, we put it on Facebook and Instagram and all those places with uh, oh why I'm totally blanking out on who these people are. Oh, Ian McKay. Oh, remember the, he's talking about, he's yeah. talking about coffee. We did that one too. And just to uh, clarify, we had, I'm looking right now. We had four episodes in the first season. Okay. So we're at number 11. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) My wife said, I I asked her, I was like, any critiques on the podcast? She's like, you say boom a lot. (laughs) Yes. So let's say, let's you and I on three say nice boom for my wife. All right. One, two, three. Boom. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, this episode, we've got a great show. We've got the band Tuning uh who uh gave us a little sneak peek at their new album and we chat with them about it and well i chat with them about it yeah i wasn't yeah you, you I wasn't available no but it was okay it worked out and yeah and they they were uh very responsive Hashtag let mick talk more <laughs> <laughs> but it went, i think it went well it the the interview does not have the wiley pizzazz on it Oh come on! You could, you I'm could sure tell. I'm sure it's just fine. No, you could you could tell. You know, you just you miss some zingers. <laughs> zingers! Hold on, my my beautiful wife is whispering something. What's up? Oh, she got me stuff for for floats. Uh oh. Got me the sugarless, uh, the hipster sugarless root beer. Nice. And the uh, hipster vegan ice cream. Yeah, I'll have a float on the darn podcast. <laughs> I feel like I need to grow a mustache for this float. Hey, speak because you, you brought up floats and you're getting ready to have a root beer float. I had the on the on the fourth of July, mm-hmm. I had the best float that I've ever had before in my life. I made it myself. Yeah. Um, we were getting ready to go out on the deck and watch the fireworks, which we didn't even have to watch the city fireworks because my entire neighborhood was lit up with fireworks. It was yeah. insane. My kids were going nuts. Uh, but I made Do a you have a dog. No, I don't Dogs have a cat, fireworks. but but she but the dog was freaking out. And I have a lot of friends that live close to us and their dogs were freaking out and have a major anxiety attack. So it was not it was cool and not cool at the same time. Like yeah. I was like, I'm not excited about the fact that there's fireworks this close to my house. But two, it was kind of freaking cool that it was right there. <laughs> right, right there. But I made a ginger beer float and it was amazing. It was this uh, ginger beer that I got from Aldi, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was just uh, Briar's vanilla ice cream and a little bit of chocolate syrup. Mix it up, amazing. Mind amazing. explosion. Yes, and it was earballs uh, blown. Yes, it <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> so yeah, so so you got to start making some ginger beer uh, floats. They're delicious. Hey. So, 
So yes. I went up to the Upper Peninsula, the Uper, the U-P-A, if you will, for the 4th of July. Yeah. I visited some family. I sent you some pictures uh, just now to your to your social media. Hold on, I got to check it out. Where's, oh, there. Oh, here so I saw all this fun stuff while I was up there. Trump country, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Miss them yet? Trump 2024. Oh, Look at, you oh see that? Oh my gosh. Yes. This is my beautiful wife. For my wonderful float. Look at this. Oh man. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, oh yeah, using the Zevia. The Zevia is good stuff. Eating my hipster mustache float. <laughs> wow. Oh, this those is good. Are, those are some amazing pictures. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> Check this picture out. I saw a little bit. I saw a mama deer and a baby deer. Nice. Oh, nice. no. I dropped the float on my crotch of my pants. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> nice. <laughs> crotch float pants um <laughs> it was it was crazy though so we went up north and we brought nan because it was kind of a last minute thing nan's our dog our bearded right. holly and she hates fireworks she freaks out when she sees i'm like talking eating this thing <laughs> her fireworks no she hates she hates fireworks so she freaks out <laughs> so we tried taking her out four different times she wouldn't go fireworks all night even in the up fireworks like we we thought we were in the middle of nowhere there's like wild turkeys running through the yard we're like there's gonna be no fireworks nope can't escape them no folks <laughs> so nan's not going to the bathroom at all so i ended up taking her out at 3 45 in the morning and my grandma now let me set this picture for you her house is in a hill so you can mow the top of her roof. Oh my gosh. Right? It's grass okay. and her the right. chimney comes out of the, the hill. Okay. So from the back, it looks like there's a random chimney just sticking out of the ground. But then from the front, it looks like a house, right? And so anyways, it's pitch black. It's 3.40 something in the morning. I let Nan out to go to the bathroom because the fireworks finally stopped. And uh, she's finally peeing outside. And all of a sudden I look straight ahead to me and there's this black figure, like animal creature looking figure staring at us. Oh no. And I'm like, uh, what is this? So there, oh, let me set it up even better. So there's the door, then the yard, and then there's their driveway. And this thing was like right next to their driveway. Okay. So it's fairly close. Right. Right. Like not, you know, maybe like 10 step, 10 large steps away. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know this. What is this thing? And Nan moves and all of a sudden it turns its head. And I'm like, let's not figure out what this is. Let's go inside. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I'm like, let's go, let's go inside. <laughs> Anyways. So, so you don't know what it was? No, 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 no. I'm not going to mess around. That could have been a Wolverine. You were in Michigan, right? Oh, Michigan Wolverines. It could have been a Wolverine. No, it was probably the size of Nan. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So maybe some sort of cat. Yeah. You know, like a bobcat or something. Or yeah, a, big dog. Maybe a wolf. Coyote. 
Probably more like a coyote. You have coyotes up there? They, I think they most definitely do, yeah. Wow. Um, maybe I should stop talking about that and get back to this. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. It is interesting. That's crazy. But anyways, thanks for talking with Tuning and uh, heading that up for me. That that was awesome. No, it went well. And uh, those guys are those guys are some cool guys to chat with, so... It was a good, good, good combo. Cool. And uh, we also review some delicious coffee. Yeah, we do. do you, you're doing some too, right? Yes. That's yeah. right. I'm doing, uh, I don't remember what I'm doing. What am I doing? I'm doing Ruby coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you'll provide all the links to check out like you always do, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to do the, uh, the coffee that I had at GSM Outfitters in tennessee the okay. coffee shop that was in there hiking outdoors uh shop that was there in Sevierville, tennessee yeah it was good coffee so we're i'm gonna review it cool yeah we also have my buddy and ex-bandmate zach brittier on to talk about what the future holds for him and the new two-minute minor goodbye zach 8-bit remixes which was kind of your idea wait man listen those uh one those tracks are awesome and two uh the chat with him was good and it's it's cool that you guys leave on good terms uh you've got to to give him a proper send-off and yeah. uh to whatever's next for zach so it's it pretty sweet we talked about the 8-bit re- remixes and all that jazz, and then we talked to him. So it's, it's cool. Indeed. It is. It's, it is. It's sad, though, to lose Zach as, the, as our two-minute minor drummer. And he also did, like, the album mixing, producing. Um, and Jeff, our guitar players, wanted to mix one of our records for a while. So he actually talked me into letting him doing it. So I'm going to let him mix the newest two minute minor record and see, uh, see how it goes and see if he can, uh, see if he can prove himself as an almighty mixer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I don't know, should we get into the show? You got anything else to add? Yeah. Well, um, before we jump in, let's just remind everybody that, uh, your real name is Glenn. Me? Yes, you. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach calls you Glenn quite a few times in the in the in the uh, the little talk there. So we probably should let people know that. <laughs> That's right. Disclaimer: I'm named after my grandpa Glenn on my mom's side. Uh, my great grandpa's name was Wiley on my dad's side, and I always dug it. And as a kid, I always wanted to be called Wiley, and it kind of just became like my musical name. No one really cares. Let's start the show, bro. All right. Let's do it, Wiley Glenn. Boom! <laughs> yeah. Coffee review. Woo! With Fresh Nick pots. and myself. <laughs> Fresh pots! <laughs> well, all right. Let's bust into it. All right. Uh, my wife got me a coffee subscription for my birthday. I kind of talked to you about it before. Yeah. Um, but one of the coffees that I ended up picking was Ruby Colorful Coffees. And 
Oh my goodness, it was so good. So I've bought, I think, two other bags since. She actually bought me, I'm going to be doing this uh, coffee called Tomorrow Coffee, which is a seasonal coffee, but she bought me a coffee called, from the same coffee company called Creamery. Yeah. Um, I say that with a question mark because I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, but I, I, I like the one that she got the creamery, uh, but not as much as this tomorrow coffee from Ruby coffee. So it's a medium roast. It's called tomorrow. It's the seasonal project winter slash spring of 2021. Okay. Um, you should definitely put it. I, I don't know if they're still offering it, Okay. but they're still offering other kinds if they're not offering this one. It has hints of red apple, caramel, dried cherry, and fudge brownie for the win. Oh. For the big W. <laughs> and not Bush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the copy is from Nelsonville, Wisconsin. Oh. When I opened the bag to smell this coffee, I knew it was going to be something special. It just, it, it gave off that super fresh coffee smell. And I actually smelled hints of caramel. I know people are going to think I'm crazy, but I could smell it. Wow. I nice. could, I promise. Brewing it gives off an even better smell, feeling the entire kitchen in the morning. And it's very warm and welcoming coffee fumes, if you will, Mr. Mick. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> the first sip had me hooked. Feels like the notes of caramel and cherry are fist fighting to see who's the most dominant flavor in the best way possible. <laughs> it's a caramel and cherry fight all the way down your throat. At the end, it seems like they both decided to become friends and work together for a great aftertaste. Like, what's up, cherry? What's up, caramel? <laughs> Let's do this thing. <laughs> Seriously, it's a great cup of coffee from opening the bag to smelling it, brewing the coffee. From the first to the last sip, I rate this, listen to this, I rate this six cups of coffee out of five. Oh, oh. Boom. Wow. Does that make sense? It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So that means it was really good then. Dude, I put this, I don't want to bub Jacob from Oak and Crow out, but I would say it's better. Oh, better sorry jacob i just heard i just heard tears from the finger lakes (laughs) tears from the finger lakes why aren't we calling that episode tears from the finger lakes (laughs) i i have to be honest i like it i like it better um but i love that hey there's a spider on my ceiling but i love that jacob gives to the community and does a lot and i'll still be buying oak I mean, you got to have different flavors of coffee. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And yes. Jacob even sent me a message because I because um, I posted that on the – that I was listening to American War Machine and drinking that coffee. Yeah. And Jacob from Oak and Crow said, one of the owners of Ruby Roasters was one of the drummers in the old Christian band, Halo, the Halo Friendlies. Are you serious? Yeah. That's what he said, oh my, at least. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. So I love the coffee. I think it's great. 
I recommend it. I also recommend going to Open Crow's website and getting the coffee and hardcore suicide prevention. Yes. <laughs> yes. I save myself here. <laughs> awesome. What's well, your, what you got? Yeah, hear what I got. All right. So I'm going to review the coffee that I got when I was on vacation. Okay. So I got I got to preface the coffee with the story. Okay. So my wife, family, and I are with her fam with my wife's family we're hanging out in tennessee we got a cabin out in the middle of nowhere we're in severeville tennessee which is right outside of pigeon forge and leaving to go somewhere and we're desperate for coffee like we want some good coffee and so we drive by this place and it's actually a outfitters store it's like for camping and hiking and that kind of gear but it mm -hmm. also says cafe so it's it's like gsm out, outfitters and coffee cafe and i'm like at least we could go in there and, and try it so i'm thinking like this place isn't going to have any good coffee it's going to taste burnt it's going to be worse than starbucks and starbucks is pretty bad go in there and it smells awesome all right so there's all this camping gear and then back in the back they, there's this little coffee like hangout that's pretty spot, cool and it smells amazing and i'm like all right and so we walk over there and there's this one dude and this like makeshift kind of like coffee bar and we start chatting and he's like what would you like and we're like well what you know what do you suggest and so he talks about um like a frappe which they make their own stuff for it and because who they used to get their mix from that place burnt down it was just a like a a, a mom and pop kind of place it burnt down and weren't and was never able to get stuff from them again. So they invented their own. And he says, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but it's really good. So Lindsay got, uh, I can't quite remember what she got, but she got one of their frappes. So it was like a frozen thing, right? But I wanted, I wanted like a latte or something. So I, I tried the lavender vanilla latte. Now I know it's interesting. Flavor coffee and you probably are like, I can't have that. <laughs> Well, that's all right. It's not about but, me. But so I tried the lavender vanilla latte. I did it because um, here in town at the coffee shop that I work for, they have a lavender type uh, coffee and it's it's all right. But I just wanted to see, try something because this guy looked like he legit knew what he was doing. So he starts mixing our drinks and it didn't take it didn't take too long. Just one guy. So uh, maybe a little bit longer than normal. Uh, we get our drinks and uh told him thank you walked out didn't try it yet sat down in the car and she tried her frappe and she was like oh my goodness this is amazing and then i tried my coffee and i was like holy cow did you I have to cannot go back believe tell him well no because uh i uh i well, well there's more to the story but <laughs> but no it it was delicious like it was amazing and you could you could taste the lavender and the vanilla it wasn't overwhelming uh and then uh the the coffee itself which they use a, a company called superior coffee which is from uh marie michigan uh and uh, uh roasting up there and then they they ship it out of course but that's where they order their coffee from and uh they just use their signature blend and it but listen it, it was a good mix like you can tell by the the ingredients like if the coffee's good or not and so you know once again this place is like most of the places that we review our coffee it's uh original origin it's you know they're not ripping off um 
the communities where they're, they're roast you're, they're getting these beans from. So it's another honest, good company. Uh, so the coffee's from there, but man, this, these guys did a great job. So later on that week, we went back for more coffee because it was so delicious. And we brought other people with this to get it. And I got to actually tell the guy, I was like, listen, this stuff is amazing. Like I can't, like, I wasn't expecting to come out here in the middle of nowhere and find good coffee. And, uh, so we start chatting then eventually start talking about the podcast and then come to find out he's an old school punk head and uh, had been to a ton of shows at uh, CBGB's and cause he's originally from New York. And so totally got to talk about hardcore and punk and he was into minor threat in uh, operation Ivy and, and all that stuff. So we sat and chatted for a little while and it was, it was good times, but the coffee is delicious. So, um, and I've read some reviews and read some other things where uh, other folks uh, have said the same thing. They weren't expecting this place to be out there in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, if you're hiking on the Appalachian Trail out in Tennessee and uh, or you're in Pigeon Forge because you want to see Dolly Parton and you want some good <laughs> coffee, head out to Sevierville and stop by the, the GSM Outfitters and Coffee Shop because it's delicious stuff. Did you send him a link to the podcast? Not yet. I'm, I told him that uh, at some point before the end of the summer, I would review that uh, lavender vanilla latte because it was that delicious. Well, sooner than later. Yeah. So. Wah, wah, wah. Do they have a link <laughs> where I could look into getting the, uh, well, it's flavored. Do they have any coffee that's not flavored? Um, well, they had all kinds of stuff, but um, if you were just going to straight up order the beans that they use, it would be the superior coffee, which I will. Oh, that's right. That's right. I will put a link for that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good stuff. You don't really, I'm like, seriously, you don't like you go into towns and places and you don't expect to get coffee like that. And I was just blown away. It was amazing. I know that is crazy. Yeah. yeah. But Hey, yeah. I can see your coffee in a hardcore plaque back there. Oh yeah. There yourself, it is. And you can see mine kind of by the leeway poster and the, toxic avenger poster back there you see yeah, it? i see it let's give there a shout is. out to mark sylvester for that's right us up with those yeah wah, wah, wah. the yeah. the the great almighty fireman himself we gotta make him a coffee and hardcore appreciation trophy we should something yeah we'll send him a dundee award or something <laughs> <laughs> i have a dundee award do you i got it for christmas for my wife what does it say it's the did best you, farter. It says, did you hear that goose award? <laughs> so it's about farting, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I think we <laughs> talked about it before. That's awesome. Yeah. So what my that's what I tell my kids. Barking spiders. I got <laughs> yeah, one on the so, yeah. <laughs> I haven't used barking spiders yet. That'd be a new one. <laughs> cool. Uh, drummer of October Bird of Death before we called it quits in 2020. Zach also was the drummer uh, and the weird idea master in Two Minute Minor. He's also one of the sound people at Medieval Times 
and does an electronic project called Captive Portal. He also worked with a label called Schnauz Records, doing mostly producer work. He also helped myself and Dave Emerson, a.k.a. Dave Emo, with Zap Records before Zap ended in 2020. And he also, also, also had a tape company at one point <laughs> called DVD Tapes. That was a lot. Welcome, Zach. Hello. Thank you for having me. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's up? What's up? What's up? Are you, sure, up? Are you sure you got everything? <laughs> I don't know. But Zach, tell our listeners uh, what DVD Tapes stood for and how you got the name. <laughs> okay so the, I don't even the, think Nick so the it. whole tape thing started oh, oh well this will be a treat for you Mick so the whole DVD tapes started when Octobird and Two Minute Minor were getting ready to put out their first releases we had like CDs and digital ready to go and we're like well let's try some tapes and we were all figuring out a way to get uh, tapes made and I just randomly remember oh I inherited a duplicator a long time ago let me just pull it out of my closet and see if it works and i got tapes made for october and two minute minor and then i decided well this was fun let me do tapes for other bands and artists and <laughs> then like okay i need to have a name and from what i remember correct me if i'm wrong glenn but i was on a phone call with you and mike when you were at belly acres and we were just like spitting around names and somebody said you should call it douchebag distros. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> like, that's a funny, weird name. And then I made like a text logo as a joke and sent it to them. And then it like said DBD in big letters and then like douchebag distros under it. And like, let's just call it DVD tapes and not actually given. It's just like three random letters. And if people <laughs> ask, I'm like, I don't know, it's just DVD. <laughs> yeah, we came up with like other different names too. I forgot what they were, but. Yeah, we, there was like a whole, whole list, but I don't remember any of them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, Uncle Mike from uh, from what band? Uh, Anti World System. Anti World System. Yeah, he came up with that. Mm -hmm. And his, with his New York accent, he's like, "What about douchebag distro?" <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> if only we got it recorded and had an ad. <laughs> douchebag distro. <laughs> so captive portal what do you think of that mick that's pretty that's pretty crazy i would have never put that together so that's awesome <laughs> especially from zach oh oh yeah so Sorry, let's get on to this let's get on to this captive portal released an album called toy sounds volume one and it is by far my favorite thing that you have done with captive portal and before we get into it let's drop that first title track mick it's called You Can Use. Drop it now. Boom. Thank you. 
keyboard majiggy remember yes you did and i am planning on making more toy sounds volumes in the future i just haven't done it yet <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> give us a story on how captain Pardo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> give us the story on how captive portal started thank you and the future of that of that project like what, what, so also, let me know like why you did toy sounds volume one because it's so awesome. So to give a little backstory, I've been making uh, music by myself for as long as I can remember. And the first year that I recall ever making anything, which was probably very bad, was 2002 when I was a little kid, had like programs on my computer and just messing about, had lots of random aliases, nothing was good. And then this, it's like, around the end of 2012 i'm like i put a lot of stuff out that i did not like in various aliases let me start completely over with a set of songs that i really like and um then in 2013 i came up with my first eps captive portal so where i got the name captive portal it's actually a networking term which basically a captive portal is a web page that a user of a public access network has to view and interact with before access is granted. So basically like you walk into a Denny's and you want to use their free Wi-Fi, um, you log into their Wi-Fi and then there's like a web page that pops up that you have to accept terms and conditions. That web page is a captive portal. So how did I come up with that? Um, where I went to school was Greenville College, it's Greenville University now, and they had lots of different Wi-Fis across the campus. Funny enough, at the time, all the Wi-Fi names were Bible characters, so you had like Isaiah and Moses. Moses was the infamous one where it would take like about 10 to 20 minutes to load a three minute YouTube video. Oh. So on top of that insult to injury, like everyone complained about the Wi-Fi at the time. And- Whiffy, letting also, us down. <laughs> oh yeah. And not to mention there was a captive portal on these Greenville Wi-Fi's. And the thing that made those infamous is that it logged you out after like 10 or 20 minutes of internet usage. So if you're just watching a video or a movie, and it like paused, you had to refresh and then re-log in via the captive portal with your Greenville um, info. 
And so everyone like thought of Captain Portal as this like completely negative thing that everyone hated so much. And I like with DVD tapes, I had like a list of names that just nothing worked. And then just randomly Captain Portal came into my head like, let me make this name more of a funny positive spin on what everyone hated at this college. So that is how the name Captive Portal came to be. And I looked online everywhere. No one was using it as an artist name. So I got all my social saved right away before I even released anything. So yeah, that's how it's Captive a, Portal I like started. A cool name. Yeah, I think it's cool too. And sometimes I forget it's like this internet nerdy techie term that not a lot of people know about too. Um, so yeah, that's I the didn't... name there. I didn't know that, so or at least future, I didn't put two and two together that that was how it was. So, yeah, and and the thing is, the only reason why we knew Captive Portal was the term at Greenville is because it said Captive Portal on the web page. A lot of these places, like restaurants and airports and stuff, don't really say, "Oh, you've entered a Captive Portal," or it's like, <laughs> "Oh, you're on the Delta Airlines Wi-Fi or something." So right. that name is just like a term, but it's not actually like visually shown. So for the future of Captain Portal right now, um, the only thing I have coming out is a remix on July 14th for this year's Net Label Day. It's part of a remix album for this artist. And I apologize if I get it wrong. It's a Tamora Hidiari. <laughs> um, yeah, it's some name I cannot pronounce. And the song <laughs> is called Owl Stretching Time. And it's a very sweet, glitchy. It's just track. a single... Yeah, it's a single remix trap that's going to be a part of a remix compilation coming out on July 14th for Net Label Day. And the remix will also be made available as a single track on my Bandcamp page. Awesome. Your Bandcamp page is pretty impressive, too. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Mick. But if you think the Two Minute Minor one has a lot of stuff on it, you should see the Captain Portal Bank Camp. Oh no, I saw it. It's it's pretty crazy yeah. today. So we should put a link to that to his band camp too. We'll do it. So I got something that sort of ties you and Mick together, right? Actually, we have two things on the podcast that tie you and Mick together. But this first one is you did a one-off project called DIY Together. Mm-hmm. DIY Together is a hardcore punk vocals meets almost like pop punk or like punk rock yeah would you agree to that yeah something like that it's like the hardcore punk vocals like you said but like an older 90s like pop punk aesthetic instrumentals basically okay but you uh you had how many tracks were there six five or six tracks I think there were six or seven. I can't remember. And you had a different guest vocalist in the punk hardcore scene community for each song, right? Yes. Every single song has a different vocalist. And one of the tracks has the mm-hmm. ex Zayo and ex to live his son singer, Eric Reeder. Watch out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> called Not Just Alive. <laughs> Mick, we should drop it. Let's drop Not Just Alive from the Captive Portal Bandcamp, which is a project he did called DIY Together with Eric Reeder right now. Boom! Greatness in color, the day's going further, the 
was an awesome song. Give us the inspiration <laughs> Thank for you. DIY Together. <clears throat> well, this is a long story. And actually, out of all the releases I've done so far, this one took the longest. So remember when I said I my first Captain Porter release came out in 2013? That's when this project started. So I liked a lot of uh, pop punk releases from the early 90s, especially in the more tooth and nail realm. I had a lot of that stuff, like the MXPX and the Cooties and all that stuff. And so I was always inspired to make something like that. So I, around summer 2013, I demoed and yeah, written and demoed the songs, all the songs then, all the music was basically finished in demo form. And I originally sang on those songs. Thank goodness those didn't come out because my singing <laughs> and lyrics are absolutely horrible. No one's ever going to hear those, I promise. <laughs> and um, I just didn't know what to do with it because I really didn't want my vocals on it. The the whole one of the goals was that I would do absolutely everything on it. But because the vocals didn't work out, I didn't know what to do with it there. So I just had all the music and I didn't really do anything for a few years till around 2017. I remembered that I had that project, but never finished it. So I was, Glenn will remember some of these ideas, but I didn't know what to do to, to add to the vocal side of things. And I like to do weird stuff. So I originally was thinking, well, let me add like robotic vocoder vocals on top of it. That didn't work. And then the no, other I told idea, them that would get which... old after like 30 seconds. Oh yeah, like, but this is no one's gonna want to hear that. <laughs> but this one's even worse. So I know for a, a short time I was working with the Falcons at Medieval Times, and I always have this microphone with me just to record random sounds. At the time, I recorded lots of falcon squawking sounds, and I'm like, <laughs> let me make a falcon punk record. So it would be these pop punk <laughs> instrumentals with like glitchy pitch to death falcon squawks, and that would be going on for 20 minutes, and Glenn's like, this is the <laughs> stupidest idea you've ever had. <laughs> no, I just thought and it was so... stupid. I thought it was stupid for a whole album. Like, I was like, if you want to do that for, if you want to make 30 second tracks with robots and falcons, fine. <laughs> But no one's going to listen to a robot hey. falcon. And now people are going to write us and be like, I would. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, may, hey, DIY volume two, falcon punk record. Here we go. <laughs> and so then I believe Glenn gave me the ideas to try to get some guest vocals on it. And then it turned into just like the scene that we were in and uh, the people that we were talking to, it turned out to be mostly yelling hardcore punk vocals. So it, we had that. That's uh, all we know for those yelly folks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so over the course of like a year or two, um, I got seven different people from different parts of the world to write and record um, vocals for all those songs. Yeah, we and got then, just remember we got Justin from the Festival Shout to yes. record at the festival. Yes, in the in one of the tent sections in audio feed, we were just outside. I think it was like less than an hour from the Festival Shout set. And so um I had him come record vocals because it was like the only time we could get him to do it. And so we just did one take because his 
the voice was tired from a long set. And so luckily it all worked out nice. And um, unfortunately I didn't keep any of the birds chirping in the background of the vocal takes. So, <laughs> so it yeah. was there cause we did it in the barn section, right? Like that barn. Yeah. Like there's hay. the barns were. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was like probably like the in-between stuff that I cut out. But the thing is, well, while we got th this done, I got super busy with all the band stuff. So I put this project aside and it didn't get done till 2019, a couple years later. And fun fact, the drums on these songs were recorded at the exact same time as Agoon's Best Friend Sessions. The first so two minute minor. The same drum kit. Yep. The same drum kit, the same sounds and everything. So if you go back and listen and compare the two, you'd be like, oh, these kind of sound familiar. So yep, yeah, those are recorded at the same time. Zach had me working the keyboard. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, just push these two buttons. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, we were using Pro Tools. It's like, just press three on the number pad and press record <laughs> and then press the space bar to stop. Excellent engineering job. <laughs> Thank you. And then I, I shot some video for you for your for your video. Remember mm -hmm. the one with on the wall with all the pictures or whatever? Uh, Oh yeah. So actually at the same, also at the same time, there were like two or three songs from a captive portal album that were recorded during those sessions as well. So I just like, okay, I got drums. I got these songs that I want to record drums on. Let me just do them all in like a day or two. And that's what happened. And also at the old practice space, one of the songs that was a 10, no, 12 minute song, mind you, I decided to make a lyric video, like a one take lyric video. So I printed hundreds of pages of lyrics and words and text and pinned it all over the practice space, multiple floors. And yeah. Glenn and helped me put that together. So and this was at <laughs> Brian, this was at Brian Gray's studio. Yes. It, it's like this <laughs> like this old, like rundown, falling apart building that you could go on the top of the roof on it like. In, in the west side like in a really bad part of town oh my god and the building mm -hmm. probably should have been condemned i think it did get condemned later <laughs> he had to he had to move yeah but his studio space was super sweet uh like it's weird yeah. like you to the building and you're like what is this a squat and it's like you could see you could see <laughs> holes in the roof and stuff and like and then you go into his actual <laughs> studio room and you're like this is so weird because this room is super rad full of tons of gear and cool equipment and then you walk amazing outside amazing expensive gear oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then you walk outside and you're and like, it's like it's like falling apart crumbling building yeah kind of funny we made mm -hmm. yeah we did the first octobird record there yeah we the first the octobird record and the first two minute minor record was both done there yeah, first two minute minor. You did your captive portal or your DIY together there, drums at least, right? Mm -hmm. And then, yes, I think else? I did some guitar work on the DIY one. No, I think that's it. Because Soda Tax, the single was done at Brian's second studio. That's right. Yeah. We didn't record any records at that second studio, though, right? No, we didn't. No. Um, cool. Well, Zach. You're also the drummer for October Bird of Death, as I said in the intro and just now. Yes. Um, tell, the, <laughs> tell the story, since we're talking about Brian Gray, tell the story on how all that connects and how you became the drummer. 
Yeah, so this one little instance is what is made the past so many years to seven? be what it Six? is. Something seven. like that. I don't even know seven. anymore. I can't count. I think it's seven so, October. Yeah, so October was the first band that I joined for during all this time. So I was just scrolling through Facebook one day, just nonchalantly. I was joining a lot of Facebook groups at the time, like the 90s Christian music groups and the tooth and nail groups and the face down groups and all that stuff. And then I just saw a random ad on the old school tooth and nail page. It's like uh, new uh, punk, old school punk band looking for a drummer. These are the influences. These are the members that were in past bands. And one of them said the blame. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to audition. And I sent the demo <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. Basically you were, in, you were in that. What it's funny. He was in like this band in college that was kind of like yep. a pop punk band. Yeah. It was yep, a pop punk band called the sweet, sweet revenge. MXPX was our biggest influence. So that all ties into. <laughs> well, and the thing is about this record, the funny thing is, is the reason, I chose him to be the drummer was because of this or chose him to have to come to the tryout. It's because I listened to that whole record and there's a song on there. It's, it's, it's like a shorter song. What is it called? Ninjas versus pirates or pirates versus ninjas? Uh, it's called pirates versus ninjas. Pirates versus oh, ninjas. Like, pirates versus ninjas versus ninjas versus pirates. My pirates versus ninjas versus ninjas versus pirates. <laughs> I was like, this is so You should play it. <laughs> Is it can we find it anywhere? Yeah, it's free to download on Bandcamp. Will you send it's it sweet, to me? Sweet Revenge. Oh my gosh. Yes, will I you, will. Okay, you're gonna send it to me? Okay, let's drop it. Let's drop pirates versus pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Calling up the Coast Guard. Let's drop it now. Boom!
right. <laughs> that song is so energetic. But the reason I was like, I was like, this guy has a sense of humor. I love that. And you can tell his drumming is really good on this track. Mm-hmm. Like the other songs didn't really, he didn't really play like super fast and aggressive or anything on them. So I couldn't really mm-hmm. tell. But like after listening to this track, I'm like, okay, this guy's good. Yeah, and he's and he and he doesn't take himself too serious. <laughs> oh yeah, the sweet sweet revenge was all mostly about fun and being ridiculous. So, I actually just found the CD. It's oh, called Fountain of Youth in Asia. It's our kid photos. Where are you? And so here, he, um, I'm the I'm the clown suit guy on the right here. Of course. <laughs> And so here, and just to add to the humor, here were some of the uh, song titles. I Never Liked Your Hair, Hipster Hallway, Buy a Shirt, um, My High School Troubles Last Tuesday Before Lunch, The Methodist Way, and there's more. But yeah, we were just all with fun (laughs) and joking and stuff. And this was like the only punk thing that that I've recorded at the time so hopefully this was good to appeal to the old school punkers (laughs) the people yeah no so it was it was cool because we originally uh before zach came in we had max davis and he was the drummer of the scurvies um you know that band right yeah 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 and then uh and then brian gray was also he was originally in the band from the blamed but it was me Darren, right, was in it at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was you, Darren, Curtin, Brian at the time. Oh, okay, yeah, and then you joined, and then like months after after Zach joins, Brian steps down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I got too much going on, and he was going through a bunch of uh, family stuff and a bunch of uh, personal stuff, so he stepped down. But then he was like, Oh, I'm gonna have like my really good friend Sid from Head Noise come in and we're like oh i've known sid as long as i've known brian i've known them for like 20 years but i never been in a band with sid before so that that like head noise i was a huge fan of head noise when i was a kid and i actually got saved at head noise cornerstone mm-hmm. 97 96 97, i don't remember 96 97 96 <laughs> 97 <laughs> one of but, those uh, was yeah. i even in elementary school at the time <laughs> i don't know but that was so that was like kind of huge and you know who Head Noise was, right, Zach? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know Head Noise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, an- <laughs> another thing is that ties uh, Mr. Zach and Mick here together is Zach. You helped Mick get the original DAT tapes digit digitized. I said that right. Yes. For the Zayo release. I think practice. so. Yeah. Talk on that. So. Well, um, can't remember how long ago it was, but I feel it was like 2018 oh, or something there like that. Oh, I only got the CD. <laughs> <laughs> um, so around 2018 or 2019, something like that, I got added to a group chat yeah. that uh, Mick was heading where he found these stat tapes and he was trying to find someone somewhere. How did you guys to... get hooked up, though? Who added you to that group chat? It might have been know. Brian. I think maybe you. No, it wasn't me. Was it Brian? It was Gray? you or Dave? For, uh, Dave from Zach that's, was also. That's who on it was. That Probably. Chat. 
probably yeah. did. Yeah. 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 So because I didn't know about it till you guys told me a little later. Yeah. So, so I got added to that chat, and um, at the time, yeah, I think it was 2018. At the time, no one had access to a DAT machine or knew anyone, so it kind of just got brushed to the side, and it was just in the back of my head. It's like these got to be put out sometime. But then like a, like a year went by, we all forgot about it. And then my boss, Edgar and I at Medieval Times in the sound booth, there's like 20, 30 years of history in this booth of machines, gear, old show recordings, old soundtracks, all this That's stuff. Cool. And so, yeah, so we always go through things. And then uh, we pull out this road case that had two DAP machines that looked in decent condition still. And so we like to test out the gear that we find and have and see what we need to keep or sell or use for parts. And so the DAP machines were working. And then I'm like, explain what, a DAT, explain what a DAT machine is. <laughs> okay, so a DAT is, I think it stands for digital audio tape. So basically think of the cassette tape instead of storing analog music, it stores data files. So basically think of like a CD or hard drive, but in tape form. So that's so basically that, what it was. So that was the only way that you could get these Zeo songs is if you had one of these machines, right? But, yeah, basically, like, yeah. You couldn't be put no it in like way. your tape deck or anything. No. Okay. Yeah, so um, I contacted Mick and I said, hey, look what we, me and my boss found. Let's try to get these uh, uh, digitally transferred and see if we can get it all to work. So he sent it over to me. <laughs> The box that he sent it in, instead of like this nice, pristine bubble wrap, it was just filled with like grocery bags. That's how we packed the box in. All I had. I'll never forget. I opened it up. I'm like, <laughs> there's these like, <laughs> it was so funny. So then, sorry, I had to add that. So we got them all digitally transferred uh, just fine for the most part, sent the files back to him. And then like a year or so later, Preface exists in the wild. <laughs> That's awesome. And well, he the sent us. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is the crazy thing is, is that when somehow I started having conversations with Matt Traxler, it was right after he had did the, not the, not this past All Else Felt album, but the one before it, he, he had put it out on, mm-hmm. on 12 inch. And uh, I just asked him, I said, do you still have all those, have the dat tapes from back in the day? He goes, yeah, I'll send them to you, which completely shocked me. He sent them to me, and how he sent them to me was just in a a mailer bag <laughs> with nothing around it. So <laughs> oh, he sent geez. it to me, and I sat on those for I know well whenever that before that all else fell the first not the first time but this um, the time before the double LP got put out. Um, I sat on those for a while. It says twenty eighteen. Yeah, the CD says twenty eighteen. So yeah, twenty eighteen. So I. I started asking questions like how, and the, originally the thought was I just wanted them for the original guys in the band. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then the conversation started happening with Matt, like, Hey, let's put these out. And so then I was like, well, how are we going to do that? Nobody has a dat. And then that's when you came in and sent those to me. Mm-hmm. And then I sent them to Jeff Gretz from Zao because we didn't know what was going to happen. Like I know, um, Dave was like wanting to do something with it. Oh yeah. And that's how mm-hmm. we got involved in it. Yeah. And then um, yeah. 
I just messaged Jeff and I said, Hey, I have these check them out. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a month later. He was like, yeah, we should do something with this. And so that's how Matt got involved. And then, uh, yeah, now here we are. Yeah. Cause I remember you sent these to me to listen to. Yeah. And Dave from zap, uh, really wanted to put it out like really bad. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I'm cool with it. But then you sent it to like the Zayo drummer who's like kind of leads the band now with all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Jeff. With all the promotional stuff and whatever. And, and he right. really wanted to do it. So, and actually Dave was pretty happy because he's like, you know what? I don't care if we put it out just as long as um, it gets seen and heard, you know? Yeah. I, I remember, I remember Dave being like, uh, if there's some way it can get out on a bigger scale and get on vinyl and all that, he was like, let's do it. Dude definitely go for it so yeah that was pretty cool so well that's super cool because it yeah. came out on record it did it came out on vinyl yes, it did and then and... there's there's the little the little known zeo side project from back in the day monroe finally saw the light of day yes. which i'm really happy about mm-hmm. uh i still know there's more stuff out there somewhere i just don't know what the, what it's on but I, at least two tracks got out so yeah. Zach, what did you send us? Something got cut, right? Yeah. So on the track Need, which I believe that was a previously unreleased track, right? Mick? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. So on the yeah, on the song Need, um, there was like this uh error on the dat tape. And because I, when I originally sent this, I didn't know this would like turn into like a full release. So I was wondering, so what are they going to do with that? Are they just going to keep it in there? Are they going to shorten the song or just not have the song altogether? But luckily the song did come out and they just like took that section out. But if I didn't say anything, no one would know because the, whoever did the mastering did this amazing seamless transition to where it sounds exactly like how it would have been performed so so yeah i sent you guys the unreleased bit of need that no one has heard yet that has like this uh different section in the song it's like this more like a slowed down part and you'll just hear the dat tape just like spitting digital error sounds everywhere (laughs) oh you want to play it Mick? yeah yeah we can play it it's called need n-e-e-d Yes, that's the name of the song. Yes. Yo, let's drop it. All right, here it comes. Boom. Boom! Uh, that sound <laughs> that was awesome i'm trying to i'm stri- sorry i'm trying to fight copy the link for for uh for uh mick here so when i send him all the the notes he can have i'm taking notes on this one too uh mick so so you know where to put all the stuff cool awesome um zach how you doing i'm good you <laughs> <laughs> so as we, as I'm still I've here, I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. As I said a few times, you are also the drummer for the band Two Minute Minor that myself, Mr. Bob, and Marco started. 
Uh, Zach played mm-hmm. drums on most of the two-minute minor releases, uh, with the exception of Brad, who played on a, a few things. Uh, but we are working on a new album right now, actually, without Zach. And we have a new drummer, formerly of the Chicago band, the hardcore bands, Lost Cause, Hazardous Youth, and the hometown Chicago favorite, Life Sentence. Uh, Zach was the one that originally had the idea for the two-inch record. And uh, you should tell the listeners uh, the story about the two-inch <laughs> record. And because uh, Zach originally hid it from me, and it's kind of a funny story. So, yeah. For some reason, at the time, when we were starting, Agoon's Best Friend was, like, the only thing that came out at the time. And I thought it would be a cool idea to have, like, as many physical versions of all the releases as possible. So when we came out with this little 30-second song called Soda Tax, it's like, okay, I need to think of clever ways or just any way to get it physically released instead of just being, like, a one-off digital single. So at first I came out with a mini CD that sold terribly, but it's just something I had. I had blank mini CDs lying around. I just made it all myself and just like, whatever, screw it. This is for me. I just wanted to put it out. I'm like, well, we okay, wrote, wrote mini quick, CDs though. fine. Okay, it has a physical version. Zach, we, we had people who, who bought the mini CD that <laughs> they were like, I can't play this in my car. How am I supposed to put this in my CD player? <laughs> um you can't you just had to plug it into a computer or whatever so <laughs> sorry i thought that was yeah. funny go ahead sorry so then yeah oh yeah because mini cds you can only play on where like the the cd player comes out and you can like right. pop it in to the little spindle there because if you put it in a car it, it just gets lost and stuck in there and you're screwed i mean who wants to have soda yeah. tax on repeat for forever <laughs> nobody <laughs> so then i'm like okay mini C- mini cd's good that's not enough so then i surprised the guys with not one but two different tape releases 10 copies each the first one was on this like recycled black tape i think there were like random tapes that i had and i cut it you mean down this to about 30 seconds of yes size. he's got yes one. <laughs> listen yes. i have i have one so, yeah of 10. that one Oh, so that one's a harder one to get because it was only given away on a Facebook, this is a random Facebook live. So we're like, if like the first 10 people that ordered something after that Facebook live, they get a free copy of Soda Text. And most of everyone's responses was like, thanks. I mean, wow, you remember that? I remember, I remember everything with Soda Text is weird. And then, uh, then I came out with another ten copies on like a clear recycled tape, and just like, oh, I wanted to actually be sold and see if people wanted it. Ten copies still took forever to sell. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But what about a record? Uh-oh. Is there a way that I could put this on a record? And so I did research and found some people, especially in like the fine arts and experimental and noise realm, where those people <laughs> they find the most craftiest way to put out releases in like any format that you've never heard crafty (laughs) but it could also be crappy like you can like cut up a bunch of flexi disc records and like say here you go 10 bucks you can't play this but here you go 
It's like things like that. And so I found this guy um, named Michael Ridge, who's an experimental sound artist who has done many releases on like cassettes, mini CDs, floppy disks, and lathe cut records. And I found that he released stuff on like three inch, two inch, one inch, like even like a half inch record. It's like any size you could think of, this guy has put out. So I contacted him saying, how did you get this made? Cause I can't find anything online. And he uh, led me to this guy in Australia who goes by Mega Michael. And, and the company is called Perth Vinyl Recording. And he says he can do uh, lathe cut records from as big as 14 inches to as little as one inch records. And so I contacted him, hey, I want to put this song on a two inch record. How much would it be? What would be all the logistics with it? And he gave it back to me. And I told these guys, I think when we were in a recording session or something, hey, I got a cool idea. Let's yeah. put Soda Tex on this mini record. And everyone shot me down <laughs> thinking that it was the stupidest idea. This is not like, going to sell. Who yeah. would want this? Who could play this? <laughs> I was like, bro, our fans are not going to want this thing. Like, come on, man. They're not, they're not like hipster kids. We're all old, like fat hearts. <laughs> like, no one's going to want this two-inch mini record <laughs> i was wrong and and basically yeah. i was like screw you i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> yeah so i didn't tell like anyone i was doing this and so it took a while to get it to arrive because you, it's being sent from australia to chicago and it takes a while to make because lathe cut records are done in real time instead of actually pressed but luckily 30 seconds doesn't take a long time but when you do 50 copies, have to cut it to size and ship it out and all that stuff. So eventually I got it. And then I was able to get it all packaged together, print it all by myself, get labels printed on there. And then one night during a band practice, I just walked up to Glenn, soda tax on two inch. And he just looked at me like, <laughs> really? Now we have to sell this thing. <laughs> And he said, and, I said, no one's going to buy this. We're, what are we going to sell this thing for like two bucks? He's like, I don't know. Let's sell it for yeah, three so, so I can at least make some money back. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, would have so, lost well, money, right? I think, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I, I let the band take all the profits for that because, I mean, I didn't know if it was going to sell super well or not, but this is just something I wanted to do. So I just ate the cost and dealt with it. And even though if the band paid for it, three bucks would still not have been enough. It wouldn't need to be like, something else but not too right. much more but sold out in three days we're like oh yeah people actually like this <laughs> yeah it's crazy unfortunately that guy doesn't do lathe cut records anymore i that's what i thought but his website's now back i just oh, looked yeah? up today so i can get his name and everything and he has his website is back online and he's working on updating prices for 2021. So if you want a record as big as 14 inches or as little <laughs> as one inch, go to perthvinylrecording.wordpress.com. That's awesome. I, I didn't get yes. the soda tax one. I did get the little guy. Uh, oh, yeah. So I got, I got we, did up, yes. we did up the pups and conflict machine on a three inch. Yeah, I got that. Mm -hmm. We did. We two. hate two minute minor that you just yeah. put up. We did a hundred of those, right, Zach? Yes, we did. We did fifty of each three inch, and then um, we did the uh, 
hundred of the one inch 50 50 of two different covers yeah and actually crazy. there's yeah. mm -hmm. and those also those sold really quickly oh yeah those sold even better than the soda tax ones yeah like i think the first one was like an, an hour or something or two hours and then the second one was like minutes <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> but they all sold out within minutes yeah but, um so those were all fun to put together yeah because you guys did two runs of the we hate two minute minor one right are you yeah. release yep. it two separate yeah because i didn't get the first time i had to i had to i missed out and then the second time i went and, and grabbed it yeah so. you got the black one that's the second one the white yeah. one was the mm -hmm. first one yeah yeah so Mick actually wanted you to come on the show because I sent him an early uh, copy of or an early digital copy of the 8-bit remixes. And uh, he's like, we should have Zach on to talk about this. And I thought, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do something different. Having Zach on, Zach on would be good too because Zach and I have worked together for like seven years on many different things. He's He's been basically like the producer and the engineer for the second Octoberg record, basically the producer um, and the engineer for the first two minute minor, then the mixer for all the two minute minor records up to this point. Uh, what's your damage? I think I said that right. Um, did I say what's your damage already? Anyways, he did what's your damage. <laughs> we just finished our last record, our third record, our newest record. And uh, Zach did all the mixing for that. And he did all the vocal recording uh, just a few weeks ago. And that's mm -hmm. dropping July 16th. I don't know when this is dropping, so it'll probably be out, it'll probably be out already. Uh, but that's eight songs. That's our last, our last album that we're doing with that band. And... Also, that was the last project that I'm officially doing with Zach. So this is kind of mm -hmm. like uh, Zach's moving on to his own stuff, moving on to bigger and better things kind of thing. So this is this this episode is to promote that 8-bit remixes, which he'll get into this, but that 8-bit remixes is being released on floppy disk. And that was his, that's his going away present to Tim at Minor. <laughs> so I thought, so Mick wanted you on the podcast to talk about it. And I thought it would be perfect because this could be like your kind of send off from Wiley slash Glenn uh, working together kind of thing. So mm -hmm. ex explain to us about, uh, about this floppy disk because uh, we're planning on releasing uh, limited physical copies of this floppy disk on July 30th. Oh so, uh, mm -hmm. and well, actually we're doing it the Friday before, right? What's the deal here? Nope, we're releasing the, the audio on Bandcamp on August 6th and we're releasing the physical copies July 30th. That's how unprepared yes. I am. All right, well tell us, <laughs> why, why in the world did you pick this crazy thing for your going away. I mean, you already did one inch, three inch, two inch. So you're crazy already, but why did you pick a floppy disk as your going away gift to the world? So remember how I said I wanted to put soda tax on every format possible? 
I did not do a floppy disk yet. So I had a collection of just like random floppy disks in various colors and whatever that I've just collected over the years because I just do that. I just acquire them somehow. So I was like, okay, I just X's, I just put it all together and I took a picture of it just for fun to send to the band. It's like, look at all these random soda tax things. There's no floppy disk. Let me do that just because I had it. And so I randomly call up Glenn saying, hey, uh, open your FaceTime. I'm going to make this release because I can. And I just showed it to him <laughs> and there's just floppy disks on the floor. And so, and so what happened was I, this, while we were talking, I was just putting together the floppy disks. I, I have, uh, I'm borrowing a, an external floppy disk drive because what computers have floppy drives anymore? None, unless if you're running Windows 95. <laughs> so I uh, was starting to put that together and it's like, okay, I have a little bit MP3 of soda tax in there. I have the artwork. I mean, yeah, it's just gonna be a few copies. What else could I do for the floppy disk just to make it fun? So I, one thing I did was just for fun, I made a short 8-bit remix version of Soda Tax. And then, so at first I had um, a few uh, black floppies out and then I found red ones. And then Glenn's like, oh, why don't we do, we hate two minute minor cause the red goes along <laughs> its other short songs. So then I made 8-bit remixes of those too. And then we're like, okay, it's just not even a minute of 8-bit remixes. What else can we do? And I'm like, let me see what other colors I have. So I found more colors and put together 8-bit remixes for the other two mini records, which was Up the Pups and Conflict Machine. And then it just turned into, let's just make a whole thing out of it. And since Glenn likes to have even number songs, I had to think <laughs> of another song to put for the sixth track. And I decided to do Change My Life because I thought, that one is like one of my top favorites uh two minute minor songs that i thought would uh fit well in an instrumental 8-bit format and that's how the 8-bit remixes was birthed six random two minute minor songs have 8-bit remixes now that you can get on floppy disk because why so, not so tell everybody uh we got two different things right that we're offering tell people what we're offering yeah yeah, so I uh, hope I get the numbers right. So we have 20 copies of the standard edition, which includes the 8-bit remixes on a floppy disk. But also if you want to put it on your computer or actually listen to the songs, we offered it in a nice high-class mini CD because it's oh, the oh, same oh. size as the floppy we have. Not a full CD, but a mini CD, because why not? <laughs> Just add more to the craziness of the release. So we have 20 copies of those, a floppy disk and a mini CD. And then so we have only five copies of a deluxe version, which has the same mini CD with a different artwork and then same floppy disk with the same content as the standard edition, but you have four other floppies in different colors, which has custom artwork of all the mini records releases in different colors do. as well. <laughs> yes, because why not? So it, it comes all in this nice little package and um, the floppy disks themselves include 
low bit mp3s of the original songs and the remixes because you got to add to that crappy aesthetic the crappy sounding aesthetic so you can listen to two minute minor like you're downloading something from napster basically <laughs> and <laughs> we're, also, and we're so, actually giving, um, we're giving away a copy too on the podcast yes uh, 8-bit floppy disk and 8-bit cd Right? Yeah, awesome. or, just floppy, or just floppy disk. Uh, the floppy disk and CD combination. I think you're doing the standard edition. Yeah. Okay. Also, okay. Also, the floppy includes uh, the original tracker versions of the remixes. What's a tracker file, you may ask? So, back in the day, I think around the late 80s, early 90s, um, a lot of electronic musicians and producers at the time um, were, were making music on the computer via tracker software like you had like impulse tracker mod plug tracker like those things where instead of like viewing things like you see horizontally on pro tools you just see a bunch of numbers and letters just going up and down vertically and you just import a bunch of samples and instruments and that's how a lot of that was made at the time because <clears throat> um tracker files didn't take up that much space like these remixes only take kilobytes i don't even think a remix is 100 kilobytes so that is very small so i could fit all the 8-bit remixes on mp3 and tracker files and more on a single floppy disk that's like not even a megabyte and a half well, so you get actually... those and they're sorry go ahead Oh, I was going to say, we uploaded this to like to Spotify and Apple Music and Bandcamp and we got denied because it wasn't high enough quality. Yeah, so actually <laughs> what happened what happened was is that these 8-bit remixes were made in mono and obviously yeah, music yeah. mostly nowadays are in stereo, so I had to make them in stereo. So yeah, so if people want to access the original versions of how I actually made these remixes, um, there is a text file in the floppy disk that gives you a download link to use the software ModPlug Tracker, also known as OpenMPT. It's a free download and it, it's a safe free download and it's all donation based on the website. And so that's how you can view the original sessions, if you will. And I made the songs on the Scream Tracker format. So the file format type is S3M. It looks really cool. <laughs> also, including in these floppy disks is ASCII art. It's yeah, ASCII and ANSI art are basically artwork in text files. So instead of you seeing an actual image, you're just seeing a bunch of text. So I made ASCII art versions of like the two minute minor logo and all of the mini record covers are in text files and you can see them in this ASCII art format. And, Mind blown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, that, I think that's all of it. <laughs> and I've, I've heard these things and they sound awesome. And I let my wife listen to it and she loves it. But it sounds like you're playing like Contra or something. When <laughs> it yeah. sounds that awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, I let my kids listen to it and they felt like they were playing because I got them these little handheld games that actually have contra and all this old stuff i played when i was a kid yeah and they're like that's that sounds like my video game so i think you guys should take it and see if you can hand it off to somebody who's creating an 8-bit video game in the future and totally use it as a soundtrack <laughs> awesome. it sounds that good oh yeah i can totally see 
I could totally see conflict machine in like a pole position esque racing game. You yes. know. <laughs> Zach, which it's, it's like the energy. Which one's your favorite? I, I think. Track? I think conflict machine is my favorite because I I listen to them in the car and it's just like. Like, I just want to go 100 down the highway listening to Conflict Machine, pretend I'm in this little 8-bit <laughs> car and just, like, running into things. <laughs> Yo, let's drop uh, uh, Conflict Machine All right. on 8-bit. Contra Machine. Here we go. <laughs> Boom! Drop it! of the show where i ask you what is your go-to guilty pleasure album that most people would laugh at so when you sent me this question these questions a while ago i was thinking so hard for a right answer to this question because for those that don't know i have thousands of albums and most of them being cds like i and I was just going through what I have, and I'm like, there's there's so many good options that I could choose, but I couldn't pinpoint it to a single album. So I went even further and pinpointed it to a single genre. You ready for this, guys? Probably not. 90s Euro House is my go-to guilty pleasure genre of music. Do of you guys know what Euro House is? I, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. So just think of like, <laughs> get ready for this. The two unlimited, you have Hadaway, What is Love? And then you have Snap. You have like the artist uh, Aqua that did like Barbie Girl. You oh have Venga Boys that did the Six Flags song. You have Pump Up the Jam by Technotronic. You have LaBouche, LaClick, uh, Ace of Bass. What I could go on. What language are you speaking? I am speaking Euro House, <laughs> 90s Euro House. Yeah, and also to add insult to injury, there's a few uh, 90s Christian Euro House that I've listened to and some I enjoy, even the cringiness and the cheesiness of all, for some reason, it's just fun. I will go back to like one of those uh, uh, previous episodes where Brian was talking about um, like the raves that were happening at Cornerstone back in the day. Yeah. It would have a lot of this stuff, especially the Christian stuff where Euro House just, especially in the 90s, was like super happy, super bubbly, super cheesy. Add Christian on top of that. So I'm guessing, let me let me guess. Uh, let's see. Worldwide Message Drive? Is that Yes. One? All right. Uh, uh, Prodigal Sons? Um, wasn't I, I don't know Prodigal Sons that well, but I wrote down worldwide message truck 
Tribe and Nitro Praise were definitely oh. the two that stood out to me. Nitro Where especially Praise. Nitro Praise, it's like you got the cheesy 90s, you have the cheesy 90s CCM church songs that they were used at the time. Add like a Eurohouse techno beat to it, and yeah. you just have the ultimate cheese. If you're lactose intolerant, <laughs> don't listen to this stuff. <laughs> I am. Well, I used to do <laughs> I used to uh uh radio dj for a uh station here close to where i live and uh it used to be used to be all in-house djs uh and then um Mm -hmm. they got bought out by caleb but back in the 90s i was working with them and uh we had they had me do a show like on thursday nights and one of the things was is we had to play stuff that certain people sent us and uh what was it it wasn't alarma it was intense it was the pop side of Intense Records. Who was that? Um, I cannot remember. I Frontline know. Records had a whole div- uh, Frontline Records, Intense Records, all them. They had a whole dance like side of the label, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the, a lot of the bands like I believe Prodigal Sons was on that. If you remember before Mortal, Mortal, there was Gyro Dialects, and they were kind of like that. And uh, yeah well it's a bunch of stuff like that and i remember eventually worldwide message tribe came around and i had to play all that stuff on the radio so yeah i remember those guys <laughs> yeah scott blackwell was yeah. another one glenn's yeah. oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like what in the world sorry oh uh good old yeah. glenn this is the time <laughs> to plug any band coffee company tattoo shop record store or anything else you might want to plug do it. All right. So I will give you the uh, my website, CaptainPortalMusic.com, which will have like the list of like everything I've done, which is my releases and uh, audio portfolio and all that stuff. And also you can check on my Bandcamp, which has all my releases, all free to download pretty much. And that has the link to all my socials. And I would also like to give a shout out to NetLabelDay.com which that remix that I'm coming out with will be part of the net label day, which is every July 14th, which is the birth of the MP3 file. And they, that label day has been around since 2015, every single year, there's hundreds of albums of various styles of music all over the world, free to download. And um, this is basically the free digital music equivalent of record store day. So just check out netlabelday.com. You may find something you like there. Awesome. Cool. That's it. <laughs> All right, Zach, we are kicking you off. Goodbye and thank you for being on the Coffee and Hardcore podcast. And seriously, thank you for seven years of music producing and mixing. I love you. It's sad that you're gone, but I still got to make music. And so do you. Just yes. separately. <laughs> yes. And don't worry. As soon as I finish Toy Sounds Volume 2 with your instrument that you got me i will let you know and hopefully you love it instead of hating it (laughs) awesome thank you brother thank you bye yeah all right so hey welcome to coffee and hardcore we're here where we get to talk to some folks and we've got uh, Matt and Jeremy from tuning with us, and so great to have you guys. What's up? Yo, it's hey, good how to you be doing? 
Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Guess we go at the same time, so. Yeah, yeah. that's just right. So, hey, yeah. why, don't, why don't I let you guys, uh, you guys just introduce yourself. Tell us what you do in the band and uh, all that good jazz. Take it away, Jeremy. Yeah, my name is Jeremy Smith. Um, I am a microphone holder uh, for tuning. Uh, you know, I, I yell it to the fact I yell it with the best of my ability into a microphone and write some lyrics. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes the music too. So that's, that's what I do for tuning. Yeah. So, and I can confirm he does it to the best of his ability and that ability is very strong. Um, so I'm Matt, I, I play guitar and tuning. Um, I take what Jeremy writes and um, butcher it usually. So. <laughs> Um, and then the rest of the band, I mean, it's just the two of us, but um, the rest of the band, uh, we've got Adrian, who is our lead guitarist. So when you hear anything that sounds like a solo, that is all him. Um, I cannot play anything beyond the first three strings, as I like to pretend. So um, we have our bassist name is Ben, and our drummer is Murtaza. Awesome. So Killer. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how did... How did how did you guys form? Like, how, do, have you been doing this for a long time? Did you guys meet up and you're like, hey, let's do this? Or you from other bands? Like, how did you guys form Tuning? Uh, so this is Jeremy. So um, I moved. Uh, I work in higher education, and I moved from um, where I grew up in Buffalo, New York, uh, to uh, the Bay. Uh, California uh, in 2015, um, and, you know, after I kind of, you know, sunk into the groove of, of my uh, position at, at the college, I um, decided, you know, I got the itch to be in a band. I, I've been in so many bands, and, you know, done so much touring, uh, you know, when I lived in Buffalo, um, that I really had that itch, and I really wanted to be in a band. Um, and so I started writing songs, and I, I tried to get something going for a while, but, you know, I was relatively new to the Bay. I mean, I knew some people from, you know, being out here when my bands would play here and stuff, but, you know, nobody who was really uh, into the idea of doing a band. And so it took a little while, um, but then uh, American Nightmare played here in March of... 2019? No, 2018. 2018, yeah. Yeah, it was March 2018. And, um, you know, there, I, I, I had been jamming off and on with Murtaza, who's our drummer, uh, but we really didn't have, it was just me and him. And then uh, we met, he said, oh, I know a guy, Adrian, who's here, who, who's interested in playing guitar. And Adrian knew a guy named Ben. And uh, we recorded... Uh, what I thought was going to be a demo, which ended up being our first LP, Hanging Thread. Um, and before that came out, Matt joined. Uh, and that was pretty much how the band came together. Um, it was kind of like, uh, it's kind of like some bands come together and it's kind of like liquid pouring into a cup. Like it all like happens really quickly and it all congeals really quickly. With yeah. us, it was more like a pair of shoes falling down the stairs. Eventually, it got to the landing, and they were next to each other, you know. 
and everything worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like Jeremy and I first met um, uh, at Gilman, 94 Gilman, uh, at a No Warning and Terror show. Um, and it was also at a time in my life when I was sort of like just like jumping back into being really active and hardcore. I went through like a number of years in my life where I was sort of like, you know, not super attached to what was going on currently, not going to as many shows, but like, you know, still keeping up with what was happening. And um, so we met there and funny, funny story for me is that I remember he's like, oh yeah, I was in this band called Dead Hearts. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I had no clue who they were because like they belonged to sort of a time when I would, and were doing a lot when I was sort of, um, not really attached to what was happening but then i look back i was like oh no way that's cool um but yes yeah, so we met there and i remember um i was i had started doing a couple bands uh, you know i played drums in discourage and i was touring touring playing bass with a band called spirits um and in like the summer of 2018 jeremy actually asked me like hey do you have any interest in doing something and I was doing those two things as well as kind of starting to fill in for a band called Dying For It. So I had like three projects going on. I was like, yo, I, I have no bandwidth to do anything right now. Um, then, um, you know, Jeremy and I kept talking and just, you know, we'd see each other's shows and, you know, chat on DMs. And then eventually uh, uh, he sent me uh, the rough mixes for Hanging Threat. Um, and I heard this and it was just after um, I had left dying for it. Um, they were based out of Reading and just, it was way too much on me to like be going up, be commuting four hours to practice and, pra and do shows and stuff. It was like, I, I can't. Um, but you know, something emerged really locally, um, that just fit. And like Jeremy said, you know, it was like, you know, shoes falling down the stairs and they happened to land next to each other. It's like, you know, he records this, this, uh, this record um, sends it to me all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, let's jump on board. And then, you know, within a couple, within like probably about the span of six weeks, there was a record recorded, um, a five piece band solidified, a first show booked and an LP sent off to the pressing plant. Um, and this was all like December, 2018 going into 2019 and boom, we're off to, we were literally off to the races. So that's the first LP you guys release? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we did that on Unity Worldwide, which um, has strong affiliations with Cortex Records, uh, or uh, the big record distributor out in, out in Germany. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And and the second, I think we uh, we reviewed your second album, the one with the... Playing the Purpose. Yeah, that came yeah. out on Indecision. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that came out last year, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we just... Yeah, we wrote it, we, we recorded it in November of 2019, and, you know, we were playing shows, and we were kind of shopping it um, around, and, you know, it was like nobody was, like, trying to listen. Nobody was listening to it. <laughs> we were sending it, you know, because a lot of stuff was going on, the, you know, the end of the year, 2019, everybody was already mapping out their releases for 2020, and, you know, then we were... We were we were going on tour with Flapshot. We were playing some, some bigger shows. And, um, you know, Dave from Indecision was like, oh, yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's keep kind of talking about this. And then uh, he saw us a couple of times 
And then uh, he was like, he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then literally like a week after we figured out and kind of mapped out what we were doing and, and you know, decided on doing defining the purpose, uh, you know, kind of, you know, with, with Dave and Dave being really psyched about it, uh, the pandemic hit. <laughs> yep. So yep. Uh, that, you know, when, you know, by the time we had everything ready to send a depression plan, he's like, well, they're expecting delays, so we should, pro- you know, probably won't come out till August. And now pressing plants are really experiencing delays. Uh, yeah, um, it's awful. It's pretty, wild. it's pretty wild, yeah. But yeah, that was that was that. You know, um, you got and I, rem- I remember listening to the, that the, the review you guys did of our record um, a few months ago, and that, yeah, that came out in August of 2020. Yeah, it, right I, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, and I think I found I think I found it at the maybe beginning of September and it was in rotation, I think. I know until the end of the year. We we cranked it a lot around our house, loved it. That Quiet Hero song is just, I that's the jam. I love it. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. but so going from there, you got the album that just dropped. Yeah, Which it's is- literally it's literally, I mean, we're recording this at like five PM Pacific on January on July first and it's going to hit Spotify in like three and a half hours, you know? Right. And you um, just dropped it on Bandcamp today, right? Was today when it came out on Bandcamp? Yeah. Or yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. It came okay. out on Bandcamp. Yeah. And I think, I think like you can't download it until like tomorrow, but you know, when it officially comes out, but yeah, it came right. out on Bandcamp today. basically. That's killer. I know a bunch of, a bunch of folks snagged those uh, 12 inch records you guys did. I know Wiley got one. I was too late. I was in Tennessee with no, <laughs> No cell service, Ugh. no Wi-Fi. Could not was not able to grab it at all. I was so bummed. Um, oh, I think but, it, isn't it still available? I think there's still some up there. Yeah, I think there might be still still some at Indecision. There's only two hundred, but yeah. I think I think there's a few. I think there's a few you can still grab. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought the only thing was left was from Cortex in um, Germany. I, that's my bad. I read it wrong. No, no. I'm, yeah, you know, no, I'm, no. They're they're just. They're just the only people in Europe who are going to have it because originally we weren't going to set, we weren't going to have it at any distros or sell to any stores. But then uh, we thought, because eh, shipping is so expensive to, right. to Europe and the UK yeah. right now, um, you know, we we want you know there's only 200 of them, but we want people all over to be able to get it. So uh, Dave was like, you know, let's let's give Cortex just just a few, um, so at least some people in Europe can, can get a physical copy without yeah. having you know to pay that super high premium for shipping yeah wow. yeah and it was like a lot of what, what what my friends in europe who were contacting me about it were saying is that like it's actually like taxes on top of the shipping there's like import Dang. duties and stuff that they have to that they're really just getting killed on right now um so that's that's sort of the, the situation like it, and that's that's only been in the past couple of days that you know we've known that cortex was going to get a few um wow. and that you know, program, it looks like program in um, Fullerton has a few, but, you know, people who are really close and tight knit to uh, Dave and Indecision and, and Southern California, um, where he's located, um, wow. really just those are the only people who are going to get actual physical copies aside from Indecision selling it directly. Wow. So, yeah, and, gonna... and, you know, our rela- oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no our, go ahead. Our relationship. Yeah, our relationship with Cortex is just really strong um, from the from the get go. So 
it was it was nice to be able to send them stuff. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so Wiley has a question that I'm supposed to ask you. <laughs> I'm right. going to read it verbatim. Okay. Here it comes. You put five songs on a 12 inch record. Correct. He That's wants correct. To, he wants to know why you didn't just put it on a seven inch. <laughs> uh, well, for, for one, um, it'd be, a, you know, the, the, especially side two, uh, okay, let's back it up. All right. So I think uh, I like 12 inches better than seven inch EPs. I like myself personally, I like seven inch singles, one side on side A, one side on side B. Uh, and I think seven inch EPs are awesome. I have tons of them, you know, especially all those early rev ones. Um, but I also know that as you put more minutes on a side, the tighter the grooves get, and the more chance for, as a person who buys records, the more chance that that record's going to skip is increased. Plus, you have to make it a 33 instead of a 45. And a 12-inch on 45 sounds, so, sonically, sounds so much better than a 7-inch on 33. Yeah. Uh, and the B side of this record is pushing close to 7 minutes, which is the maximum uh, time for one side. Um, because those three songs, I think it's, it's, I think it might actually cross seven minutes or if not, it gets really close to it. Um, so, you know, you know what you can certainly, uh, budget wise, if you, you know, cause back in the day, seven inches were so much cheaper to do than 12 inches. You could cram all that stuff on there uh, for better or for worse, like the CRI dirty rotten key and, and stuff like that. Um, however, uh, you know, uh, 200 a 200 run 12 inch um you're gonna make you know you're gonna make your money back and you're gonna have a big piece of beautiful art i didn't want to waste that artwork on a seven inch on a seven by seven you know template um that that cover art that johan painted for us is so phenomenal you know i wanted to give it you know that 12 inch treatment um and, yeah, like you know, everybody, I, everybody I, I know loved, uh, you know, the art on Donnie defining the purpose, which was also done by Johan. Yeah. But Johan like really outdid himself with this art. The moment I, he like posted a little Instagram story like teasing it, and I could see it, you know, just as he was still working on it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be amazing. And then, you know, Jeremy sends it sends it out, and we're our just jaws hit the floor. It was so phenomenal, and you know, so. I figured it was it was sonically that was the reason why, but when I when when you talk about the artwork too, man, that is true. That because I I remember the first, I think you Matt you dropped a, an Instagram pic that I think it has a one of you uh, in a from a live shot and then it was just a little shot of the twelve like the the cover and I was like I can't see that. <laughs> it, was, it was just yeah. killer killer artwork. Love it. Yeah, I mean I, it's definitely high quality art. And so, you know, there's, there's a part of it that like the whole entire, like experience of getting this physical thing. And, and I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, record guy at all. Jeremy knows like I'm the opposite of him, like, you know, um, but just having that, that actual piece, you know, on 12 inches, great. And the other thing I've, I've been hearing also, I don't know, Jeremy, if this is true with your discussions with Dave at all, is that um, right now that there's actually a difference between pressing times for a 12 inch versus pressing times for a seven inch um i was talking to one of my friends today who they're working on something coming out 
And he's like, yeah, you know, it's 30 weeks for a seven inch and it's, you know, 12 to 15 for a 12 inch. So we, you know, we have a seven inch worth of records. We're doing a, a one side, we're doing a 12 inch because we want our record to come out, you know, <laughs> in a reasonable time. So. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I keep talking to folks and they're telling me they're having to plan out their, their albums almost even two years ahead of time yeah. because of, you know, especially if they're doing vinyl because it's, it's that far backed up and it's insane right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's crazy. I mean, you know, and, and like I was saying, I have nothing against seven inch format. I, I think, I think some labels are kind of, are kind of done with doing seven inches or doing them less and doing more 12 inch and one sided 12 inches instead to kind of make up for that. But, you know, I'm, I'm motivated and interested in doing like a split seven inch sometime soon. Um, it's just, I'm not, you know, I, I, I didn't think that this piece of work, whatever the songs and the, the art would, would be justified on a seven inch, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and thankfully, uh, Dave felt the exact same way. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. So you guys recorded this in the middle of the pandemic, the COVID. How, how did, how did that work? How did you guys pull that off? <laughs> well, like, you know, well, a couple you know, of things happened was like, you know, right as the pandemic started to hit, you know, and we're all stuck at home. Uh, Jeremy basically sat down and started throwing a bunch of riffs around, um, you know, and um, him, you know, him and I were doing some talking. We talked about like, you know, doing the inside out cover that's on there. But um, basically riffs started flying pretty much as we were all just stuck with nothing to do. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I had something that I threw, which eventually became the song Pacific. Um, you know, Jeremy had a bunch of stuff and we, um, surprisingly, this record was, I feel a lot, it came together really quick and a lot easier than defining the purpose because I think we just had so much time, like uh, pre-work done once we got into, back into the practice space after about six months, you know, um, we were really able to kind of like bang out songs really quickly. It seemed. Wow. Um, so it was eight months. Yeah, it was a long, it was, yeah. It what was, is time, it was you February know? till October. Yeah. Um, so we practiced again and, and that, even then it was, you know, it was not as curious as, as it should have been because, you know, COVID restrictions you know, lightened up a little bit. So we were able to get together and we all were masked up and the plexiglass up in our, in our practice space and all that stuff. So, you know, it was, it was relatively safe feeling work on the record. Um, and it was one of those things where like, you know, I, I'm, I'm always playing, playing my guitar and, and writing stuff like constantly and consistently. Um, but when COVID hit, um, you know, the college I worked at closed down and I went from working, you know, full time to working only three days a week um, and having to take vacation time to make up for the other two days I wasn't working. So I was just, you know, plus I was, you know, my relationship had just fallen apart pre-COVID so I was just like sitting at home, like, and my kids, my kids were just sitting at home because they couldn't go to school. And I was just, you know, trying to entertain the kids. And then, you know, the only, the only way I could really decompress because you couldn't go anywhere. 
you know, and at first, you know, it was like, you can't even, you shouldn't even go to the national parks. You shouldn't go anywhere. You know, my God, stay in your home or you're going to die, you know, was basically the initial message. So, um, you know, how I, how I tried to kind of deal with everything and kind of decompress from just that, the crushing weight of the world that was coming down on everybody was I just wrote songs, wrote songs and, you know, and a lot of it never even got presented to the band because I didn't think it was that great. <laughs> but, um, you know, the stuff, the stuff that did get, you know, I, I would work on something for a week or two and then I'd be like, yo, guys, check out these two riffs I'm working on together or check out this melody or check out whatever. And uh, we kind of picked and choose what we liked. And what's funny is on the new record, Cinder and Ash, I that was the first, that was the first one I think I sent and I forgot about it and so we were working on like we had just like worked on like uh, two or three of the songs and uh, our bass player Ben was like oh yeah we're going to get to that metal one and I was like what are you talking about and I was like oh right there's another I have another song for it because I had literally it was like you know here it was October and, you know, the majority of that song I had written, like, back in March. Wow. Um, so it had completely, it had completely flipped my mind. And, uh, you know, that, that one was, that one, Cinder and Ash off the new record, that one, I, I really, you know, I really got psyched about because, um, you know, all the songs weren't completely fleshed out yet. We were, we were kind of just, you know, workshopping them or whatever. But that one, I think, was the first one where Matt like was like, "Oh, wait a minute, why don't we do this here instead of that?" And I was, and like, a light bulb went off, and I was like, "Yes, yes, that is that is what we're gonna do. That's amazing." And uh, you know, that was the first time where I really felt that uh, um, it was kind of congealing more songwriting wise as like a group. Then instead of me just dictating to everybody what we were going to do and how it was going to be, um, you know, like the curtains got parted a little bit and like some, some other sunlight got to come into the room. Um, <laughs> and and I, I look forward to that continuing as we, because like that process, you know, continued more so um, with, with uh, you know, a beacon in a as a, as a whole. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. For me, as someone who's been in a million bands and written a million fucking songs, like it's just really, really exciting to be part of the band that's now kind of more doing it together. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Great. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but no, no, it's it good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would actually really echo what Jeremy's saying because I feel like, in a lot of ways, you can hear that progression to where there is a little more of, you know, different, you know, more voices, you know, happening because like you know, Hanging Thread was all Jeremy, just Jeremy very much, this is here. You can hear Define the Purpose has a little bit of a change, you know, because I think we were a full band at that point, you know, um, we were, Jeremy had written everything, but it was sort of like, we still had to get in the room and arrange it. And so, you know, there was stuff that got changed around, switched around ideas, like um, on the, like the Love That Lies. I mean, Jeremy, that was going to be like a completely different sounding song and like, uh, yeah. you know, ended up being a lot bigger and more driving than I think originally envisioned. Um, but on Beacon, like, you have, like, a whole song, you know, with 
that can that started come from someone completely different you had you know like jeremy said you know a lot more that went into like how do we arrange this differently how do we do this um you know how do we play this breakdown you know um and so uh, it's definitely a record that I, you know we are very very proud of we're very happy with um the past two that we've done we've uh, done with zach oren um uh, at castle ultimate um he works out of this place called shark bite studios it's like five minutes from where i live in oakland um and the man is a, the man is a mastermind um he's he did um you know the first the first he did the two go it alone lps he did um like ceremonies violence violence um a lot of the allegiance records he's kind of a bay area stalwart from like mid 2000s hardcore who he's grown a lot more to do a lot more of like metal and like grind stuff um but he his ability to capture what exactly what we're trying to do like you know is fantastic it's it's he's got this great process of like you know making the drums you know really 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 stand out getting the the huge guitar tones that he's able to capture um yeah so it's been it's been a fun process to work on these last two um yeah, and put them out. Well, I was going to say, like, I love defining the purpose, but when you guys sent this to check out and listen, I fell in love with it as soon as I heard it. And the main reason is normally I gravitate towards the bass and the guitar and everything, which all that's great. But yeah. uh, but man, the, the lyrics and the vocals on this album are so emotional. And you can, like, I'm glad you shared that story because you can feel some of that like from this past year, all of that building up, you can totally feel that come out of what you guys are doing. And it really, it really plays out in the vocals, man. I, like, I just, the other day I was driving down the road doing stuff for work and I had that cranked and just, I mean, it, it stirs you up a little bit. It like gets you like like totally connect with it and uh, you feel everything. It's, it's a killer record. Yeah. When I, like when I track the, um, excuse me, When I tracked the vocals for that, um, you know, I was going through it in that booth. It was not, it was not, you know, it was not just a, hey, I'm in the booth, I'm going to sing some songs, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. It was, like, I was, I, I, every, you know, line that I wrote about something, I I was going through it. It was, it was a very, um, a very, very emotional process, Um, you know, and it's funny because when I sing, I always, uh, I always bring stuff with really high sugar content uh, <laughs> and, and and milk and stuff because the way it coats my throat um, actually helps me to get to where I sing, which is weird. And, and other people who have recorded me out everything that they know that like I am going to be drinking strawberry milk <laughs> um, while I sing. And, it's so disgusting. So, it's disgusting it tastes so awful but the way it coats my throat it 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 helps you can hear it you can hear the difference um you know and every every person who's ever recorded me doing the vocals they hear it too and they're like oh that's really interesting it's gross as hell but that's really interesting um but yeah when we were doing the vocals for this i was i was uh i you know first of all i'm you know all of our songs i'm really invested in to begin with but just you know that cathartic experience of really singing those songs in that booth um 
hearing, you know, this, it was very emotional. And Pacific was, uh, the end of Pacific was very, very hard to get through uh, without completely breaking down. Um, and I did, <laughs> but not in a way that it didn't sound good. It sounded good. Uh, and that's the take you hear. Like, I, I actually broke down at the end of that song. Um, and that's, that's actually what you hear on the record uh, at the, 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 last, the last little bit of lyrics. And then the, we lost our way. Uh, in that song, like I am, I am fall, literally falling apart. Um, wow. And thankfully, it sounded great because you know when you're a big blubbering idiot like I am, you know you could be in there just <laughs> you know, and it could sound terrible. Um, but it, it, it thankfully it didn't because I was in it. I was in it 100. Um, percent Just just exuding the emotion I felt when I wrote the lyrics. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, you know. Yeah. You know, as someone who was who was in the studio outside watching from the booth, like I can confirm everything he was saying. Like I thought Jeremy was going to basically leave it all out on the table and maybe maybe this was gonna be his last will and testament. I mean, he was he was very much going for it. Um I've never seen tracking like that. And you can hear it. I mean, it's it's an intense vocal performance. It's you know, and, and there's a whole urgency to the pace of the record you know that you know that we as the instrumentalists were all able to kind of capture and put together um and sort of lay that foundation for him to just literally just kill it on this record this is one of the finest vocal performances you know in hardcore <laughs> so no i i agree like there's um there's only one other album that i've listened to this year that has been as cathartic as the one you guys just dropped and that's the last zeo record the crimson corridor and i don't say that because i was like i used to be in that band i don't because i because there's a good 10 15 years between when i was in it and the new guys so it's like a whole other thing um but their um that new crimson corridor album was just as cathartic and it's like when i put those two together it's it, it was very helpful let's put it that way um when hearing this and being able to check it out i I loved it. I know Wiley loves it. Um, it's good stuff, man. So what's the future? What's the future for you guys? Uh, well, I'd like to start, you know, I'd like to start playing shows again at the end of the year. That'd be fun. Um, we did finally get asked to play some stuff. So that's nice. Who knows if, it, if, if it'll fit with all of our schedules. But, um, you know, it just sucks because, you know, at the beginning of 2020, January and February 2020, we did that. We did a slap shot West Coast run, and we our momentum was really, really building. Um, and we were going to play some stuff with negative approach, and stuff was like, you know, and for me, being the old timer in the band, like, you know, that, like, you know, that kind of stuff, like, you know, that's like a box I get to check, I guess. I don't fucking know, but like, you know, I get to say, like, you know, like, oh shit, I got to play with this band that meant so much to me when I was younger. And, you know, and I, at the last show we played with Slapshot, you know, I, I did exude that on stage. I did say, you know, that being, you know, when I was a kid, I had Slapshot posters on my wall and, you know, they were one of the first probably 20 canon hardcore bands I, I ever heard, you know, in 1990. Um, and so for me, it was like very... You know, for me, hardcore is very emotional. It's like this, you know, for me, like, I just, I feel like a connection to it. And, um, you know, I, I'm really big on communication. I think people 
talk about what they're going through. And, and it's okay if someone doesn't feel comfortable doing that, but I think that communication is, is really important. And, you know, one of the things, um, one of the things that I've noticed, you know, maybe sometimes it's changed over the years is that people don't, I've seen, a, I've seen, a, I've been to a whole show where the band doesn't even tell you who they fucking are. Yep. <laughs> so it's yep. like, you know, you, six bands play and never once do they tell you what their band name is. And, you know, that's cool for like a, you know, heavy foreboding, you know, gloom band and shit. I just left your show and I have no idea which band I liked and which band I didn't. I don't know who <laughs> you are. And yeah. bands, you know, I, I think it's great to, for bands to like shout out their friends and everything like that, but they're not communicating. They're not giving me, I don't know what this band is about. Now, if this band is just about, you know, breakdowns and, and jumping around, that's cool. I think there's a place for that. But, you know, I want to know what people are about. I want to know what they have to say, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And, you know, what I want to do is I want to get out there and be able to, you know, have that exchange of ideas when we play shows. Like, I love talking to people after we play. I fucking love it. I mean, I'm a talker anyway. But, you know, I remember a couple of the shows in Slapshot Tour where people were like, hey, man, I, I really liked what you had to say up there. That was really great. And I know that's going to alienate some people because um, I, I try to make it concise, but it doesn't always work like that. You know, you want it to be, you know, you want, you want it to be a precision surgical strike, but instead it's a carpet bomb. You know, you just got to roll, roll, and bullshit, bullshit spewing from your mouth. And you're, trying to, you're trying to get back on track and you just say more bullshit. Um, but, you know, I, I really want to get out there and, and, and encourage the exchange of ideas and just dialogue about people, how they're feeling, where they're at. You know, how you, how you doing? Like, for Christ's sake, how the fuck you doing? We just went through it, man. We're still going through it. The pandemic's not over. Right. You know, we're fucking, right. you know, we're what, 16 months into this? People are still going through it. And, and yeah. you know, I'm hoping that as more people become vaccinated and more people are more comfortable um, and, and it's more safe to be out there, that people can kind of talk about it and say, yeah, this fucking year sucked. Or, yeah, you know, this year sucked, but I turned it into something positive. Or, yeah. This year sucked, and I'm still feeling it, and I, I think like I need, I need some help. You know, I want people to be able to talk about that, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the record the way I did. Um, you know, and that's why I want to get out there and have people feel that and do that and experience that. And I'm hoping I can kind of be like the, you know, kind of be the the lubrication sometimes when we play shows to kind of get that going. You know. Um, and for better or for worse, that's kind of what I've always done when we play. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping we start playing some more shows soon. And I'm hoping to write another record probably by the end of the year, another EP. Um, you know, that, that, that we're definitely going to do at some point. Um, but who knows when the hell it'll come out if it's Russian Plant Delays, say, you know, yeah. nine, ten months, ten, ten months out. Um, yeah, that's 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 the idea that's the fucking that's the goal yeah a lot of what, what jeremy's you know communicating about like you know this uh, this idea of like communicating really resonates with me personally because a lot of what you know has kept me going to hardcore shows for 25 years hasn't been like an aesthetic or just like 
the mosh or like even you know uh, certain politics or an ethics but just for me the idea of like connecting to other people and feeling connected to myself because so much of i think how we experience life right now is very disconnected from each other and very self-alienated and disconnected from ourselves you know and hardcore for me has always been that thing that has helped me really feel like I can, I'm sh- I can show up and be present. You know, I'm not sitting on my stupid phone scrolling through Instagram, or I'm not trying to pretend I'm somebody else to appease somebody. I can just show up and, you know, bang my head and stage dive and feel like I'm, you know, connecting myself. I can meet people. Um, you know, I've, this thing is giving me the opportunity to travel around the world, you know, and to meet people from all across the country. And it's, and it's really, really cool. And a lot of that conversation has been bigger than, whatever is sort of the hype beast flavor of the moment in hardcore that's bigger than, you know, um, whatever's kind of going on with, you know, even certain messages. Like I, I've always felt very connected to self and others through this. And, you know, I think, you know, as we think about our future and what we're saying on stage, like our hope is that we will, that that'll proliferate and that'll be sort of a, a counterpoint maybe to, to certain things that are going on, whether it's just kind of nihilistic or just um, very like, you know, cookie cutter on the message, you know, not a lot of people are really getting on stage anymore and just talking about what they're feeling, right. you know, about what's, what's sort of on the heart, you know, where, where am I struggling? You know, you know, a lot of people are, are being more comfortable talking about things like depression and anxiety, but you know, I've, I appreciate the stuff Jeremy writes because I think it's more, it's that and just bigger, bigger picture metaphysical questions, you know, meta questions in general. So, um, but yeah, like, like Jeremy said for the future, uh, the Bay's just kind of started having, you know, California lifted its restrictions, you know, two weeks ago and, you know, shows have started haven't even started happening at like actual venues yet you know i mean that's still up in the air the first one that i know that's going to happen at an actual venue is going to happen in like two weeks um and so it's sort of really kind of up in the air as to what that reopening is going to look like i know there's questions like with the new delta variant that's causing some concern um but the bay has also been very like you know from from the time the pandemic started you know very much like everyone in the Bay kind of clamped up, you know, and was like, like Jeremy was saying earlier, you know, the messaging was like, don't leave your house or you'll die. And everyone was like, Oh, okay. I guess we won't leave our house. So we don't die, you know? And, and then when, when people started saying, Hey, it's okay to come out of your house. Now, everybody outside the Bay was like, well, we've already been doing that. So who cares? And the Bay was like, are you sure? (laughs) You know? And I still feel like there's very much, as I talked to like coworkers, they're like, no, no, no. I know they said it's okay for me to wear a ma- not wear a mask, well, even though I'm vaccinated, but I'm going to do it anyways. And you don't really see that outside of, you know, really like progressive enclaves like the Bay specifically. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it's it's really kind of a little up in the air, you know, still as to what is going to happen, even though, you know, stuff is getting planned out, you know, it could all in a month implode. Um, right. I don't, I don't foresee that happening, but it could. So, yeah, I know, I know here, I live in West Virginia, so you've got a weird mix here. Um, 
but the one good thing that I can say about my state is, is we passed out vaccines like they were candy and people hopped right. on it, which I was completely surprised that my state was that open to go. Like uh, I work for a, a coffee shop and across the road, they were doing uh, vaccinations and that place was always packed. It's been packed until like last week. Um, so things have kind of opened up a little bit more here and there yeah. are some shows being planned, but they're like kind of outside. So yeah. I'm kind of seeing that happening and taking place and, yeah. and I, I'm with you. I, I'm hoping things open up some more and we can start seeing some stuff because I think um, at least in the hardcore scene, we need that therapeutic conversation again. Uh, I think that's really going to help um, move some things along at least in, at least in where we connect, I guess. I know the majority of my friends that I have in my life that have that lasted longer than five years have all been from the hardcore scene. Like I, I really can't name anybody outside of that grouping of people that's not lasted been been around that long. So, yeah. uh, was well, an element of like when you're not a civilian, you know, you're not you've got to <laughs> like, you know, you got to connect with other like-minded people, you know. Right. Like this is such a, a unique subculture that, you know, there's if you can't connect with somebody on that level, like you either connect and sort of like just sort of keep this uh this you know part of you a little bit aside like because who's gonna you know who's gonna relate to you stage diving or you know getting kicked in the face or something like that or screaming your lungs out to to lyrics like right someone who someone who listens to you know uh you know taylor swift or something like that which actually is like mo- just like actually a bunch of hardcore kids listen to taylor swift so I don't, <laughs> probably not the best example but you know someone who only listens to that might be like why do you do that? Like, <laughs> why are they all so angry? You know, um, you're like, well, why aren't you? So, right. Yeah. And, and to pivot off of what what we were talking about, you know, with communication, and everything, like that's kind of like where the name came from. Um, you know, the process for for the name tuning um, came from I really like the Avail song tuning, so. Um, you know, I was like, okay, that's like my favorite Avail song. And then at the time I was going to, I saw Metallica three times on the World Wire tour. I, I have no, I fucking love Metallica, whatever. The first band I ever loved, you know, 35 years ago. Um, so they always kind of get in the same groove and in, and in tune and everything in the tuning room before every show, they get the tuning room and they, they kind of flesh out what their set list is going to be. They goof around a little bit. They just kind of get in sync. So when they come on stage, boom, they're, they're that, they're that, they're that tight fist that can punch the crowd, you know? Um, and I started thinking about, Hey, you know, maybe, you know, Tuning's kind of a shitty name, but at the same time, there's like, there's like a thought process behind it. Like, you know, getting in tune with how you're feeling, getting in tune with other people, kind of tuning yourself into, you know, the world, um, you know, not to sound like a, like a new age hippie stuff because, I don't believe in, in anything spiritual whatsoever, which is how me and Matt very much differ. But, um, you know, I think that humanity to get in tune with how they're feeling and get in tune with each other. And I thought maybe I could do that with this band um, when I was first, you know, because I had the name before I had the band. Although I did suggest other names that everyone was like, no, that name sucks. And I was like, oh, great. Now we're stuck with tuning. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you, know, it, you know, at least we didn't steal the name from somebody else. That's, that's important to me still. 
because um, yeah. there's a lot of bands with names of other bands and names of other bands. Uh, and that's fine, whatever. You know, nobody really gives a shit. But um, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of bring that up. You know, as we're talking about communicating and kind of, you know, talking about our feelings and all that kind of stuff, you know, it, it's the name tuning was kind of a part of that. So it's, it's very, the name is very purposeful in that, in that, in that way. Um, kind of like how I think the name Be Well is very purposeful in, in their in their way too. Um, and I think both bands kind of both started around the same time. I think, you know, the elder statesmen are kind of feeling a certain kind of way and, and, and kind of wanted to kind of get it out and work it through. Um, you know, and even Change. Change also has a very purposeful name, you know, and those are the other, those are like our two contemporary melodic hardcore bands you know, with the old timer guys with some younger guys in it, um, you know, and, and I think that's cool. I think it's cool to be part of, you know, that mindset. Yeah, we're, we're pretty stoked because we have uh, Change on next month. They're coming nice. on us. Oh, yeah, yeah we're, we're pretty stoked to have them on. Yeah. All right. They, so- they, they sent me that record a long time before it came out, and they swore, they made me swear up and down that I wouldn't copy it for anybody. So okay, so I didn't copy it for everybody, but god damn it, didn't I have at least ten people who sat in my car and listened to it? <laughs> Me being one of them. Yes. Matt, Matt being one of them. <laughs> yep. We we went saw we went on forced and uh after the show we, we just went to Jeremy's car. And I'm like, yo, we're sitting here listening to this. So <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, with Eric from Discourage, who didn't who didn't give a shit, you know. So <laughs> All right, so we're at the part where you guys get to pr- promote uh, anything you want. You can promote your stuff. You can promote other people's stuff, stuff you dig, stuff you like, uh, stuff you think other people should get into. Uh, this is your moment. What do you, what do you got? What do you want to share? Uh, go ahead, Matt. You can go first. Um, let's see. Okay, so, you know, I play in another band, Discourage. Uh, you guys have reviewed us before. Um, you know, definitely want to say, you know, Send my love to those guys. Um, a lot of some of my favorite bands in the scene right now are really popping out of like the Midwest. Um, Time and Pressure um, is definitely a band to you know be looking out for. Um, Scourge gets to go out to prom core. We're gonna you know be out there with a bunch of friends who are out there. Um, Fum is one of the best best bands you know currently based out of Denver. Um, definitely check them out. Um, let's see. Loving what is coming out of a band called Bent Blue from San Diego. Um, another band from down there called Take It to Heart that's doing awesome stuff. Um, some cool podcasts, uh, March for Life. Um, you know, uh, Davin is doing really co- just a really cool thing out there. Um, let's see. Um, uh, next Tuesday, by the, by the time this episode drops, we'll have already broadcast it, but we're going to be on, Jeremy and I are also going to be on Your Life in America, which is based out of community, uh, community radio station in Santa Barbara. Um, you know, Dylan's doing some really, really cool interviews out of that. Um, definite huge shout out to 185 Miles South. Um, we did, uh, we actually dropped a live set that we recorded uh, in our practice space um, and they were, were able to, they hosted that for us. Um, you know, Dan and, uh, and Zach have been longtime friends for both of us. Um, and it's just really cool to like, have that partnership um you know for me also shout out to uh, roger camaro who is 
you know, in the Warriors, uh, Ill Communication. Um, he does a lot of like the tech back end for, for 185 Miles South, but he's sort of like one of the unspoken people. And, you know, I'm sure Jeremy will say the same thing, but, you know, we're really thankful to Dave um, for getting on board for, you know, driving this whole thing forward. Being on Indecision Records is like, for me, like, yeah, there's, there's Rev, there's like B9, there's Discord, but honestly, I think the most important record label of my entire life is Indecision. Um, you know, I grew up in San Diego. They had Over My Dead Body, In Control. Like, those were bands that, those were bands that formed and shaped me, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Count Me Out, um, you know, bands like Faded Grey that we get compared to, um, you know, a lot of these bands um, have really formed and shaped me. And like, I'm, I feel personally honored to be a part of that, you know, and um, really grateful for what Eva does to help out with the label, Eva Hall from uh, Power Alone. Um, yeah. Those are just some of the things I can think of. Jeremy, what do you got? Uh, so um, as far as bands that I'm, I listen to a lot that are current, uh, it's stuff different than it's a little more extreme than the stuff we do. I listen to Cell Rot. We're from Oakland. They're fucking amazing. Um, you know, it, it goes without saying that Gulch from San Jose is fucking incredible. Um, some of the other bands from around here that I like, I, re I really like Screaming Fist. Um, God damn, there's, there's just there's just so many, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff. Like, I like Brain and, and all that stuff, too. Um, the Friends of Scowl, uh, all that stuff is really great. And I hope, you know, I mean, all those bands, everybody should know about those bands anyway, um, because they've been doing really great stuff. Um, but, I, you know, I just want to say that, like, those bands, you know, I'm an old fucking man. I mean, I'm, I'm 47 years old. And uh, to be able to, you know, thankfully, I've, I've stayed connected and stayed current with hardcore, you know, for shit, for 30, 30 plus years now, um, just because, you know, when most people would stop caring about hardcore, I was touring so much. So I got exposed to a lot of bands, got to see a lot of newer faces and stuff, in, in, you know, when I was in my 30s. Um, and, and now, like, it's amazing being just like, the insanity that some of the bands can bring forth uh, when they play and how good, uh, just how, how effective bands are, can't, you know, these bands that I'm mentioning are when they play. Like, like it's, 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 it's a wonder to behold. Um, so that, that's some stuff. Musically, that's the stuff I listen to lately. Um, I also listen to a lot of AFI. Um, I, they've been one of my favorite bands you know, for 20 plus years. Um, and I still listen to a lot of AFI. Um, and I think sometimes it kind of pops out in our songs, uh, especially with like the jingly jangly stuff I do when I write. Uh, that's that's a, that's our musical technical term is jingly jangly. So jingly jangly. Any, yeah, anything <laughs> that's not just missing, okay. Anything that's not a power chord yeah, is a jingly jangly. Yeah. It's a jingly jangly. It's not a power chord. Um, and uh, so as far as like authors, like I, I would ask people to kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fiction guy. Uh, so, you know, Ambrose Pierce, uh, him and Edgar Allan Poe really pretty much created the, the format known as the short story. 
Um, Bo gets more of the credit, but I like Ambrose, Ambrose Pierce better. Um, so there's a lot of, he wrote like the Devil's Lexicon and uh, there's, a, there's a really good short story collection of his. He was a, a very, uh, he fought in the Civil War and he was very bitter um, after what he'd experienced in war. Uh, he became very cynical and he was a very cynical writer and his stuff is fantastic. Ambrose Pierce, good writer. Um, Coolidge, uh, you should read. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, you know, Tolkien, Herbert, all that stuff. Like, that's like the cool shit. <laughs> you know, like, that's the stuff like, you know, I mean, right now I'm reading uh, Stalingrad um, by Rupert Matthews. <laughs> I read a lot. Um, but also on top of that, I'm also a science fiction fan uh, across formats, uh, you know, reading and, and, and TV and, and movies. Um, so I would encourage anybody to watch Battlestar Galactica. Um, I would encourage anybody to watch The Expanse. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and we have a lot of Battlestar Galactica references on our first two records. I dropped that for the new record because it didn't seem appropriate uh, because of what I was writing about. But uh, throughout, you know, on on uh, the first record, Hanging Thread, there's a lot of references to science fiction and fiction. Um, and then on, uh, obviously, on uh, on Defying the Purpose, um, you have the song Adama. And uh, the So Say We All chant at the end of Quiet Heroes was also from Battlestar Galactica, the Reimagined series. Uh, I'm a big fan of the 70s series as well. Um, I'm really excited about the Dune movie that's supposed to come out. At yes. The end of the year. Yes. Um, you know, I love the David Lynch film. I love, I love his, I love his take on it. Although it's not the greatest film, it's one of the most beautiful looking films ever filmed. The set pieces are incredible. The costume design is, is like unmatched in, in, in science fiction um, but I'm really excited for that coming because you know, those, those are some of my favorite novels um, yeah that's kind of like you know Matt already shouted out podcast stuff uh, one I will bring up though is uh, I grew up in Buffalo New York I lived there for the first you know uh, well, 41 years of my life um, and uh, two good friends of mine well a lot of my friends are kind of intertwined with it but Mark and Chris really do it. They do the Nickel City, uh, Nickel City soundtrack, soundtrack podcast. Try to say that ten times fast, but Nickel City soundtrack podcast. Um, and so they had me on right after Defying the Purpose, but my episode's not that great. Um, I mean, it's okay. It's because Mark had interviewed me from an earlier podcast. He did like we just kind of like dropped in and talked for a few minutes and dropped out, but. There are some really great interviews on that. They don't just cover hardcore. They just they cover uh, anything that's Buffalo music oriented. But because they're both hardcore kids, a lot of the content is, is hardcore. Um, that's really great. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, where it went podcast is cool. Uh, those guys premiered our song Pacific. Um, yeah. But besides that, you know, that stuff's really my wheelhouse. That that is. My era of hardcore, when I first got into hardcore, you know, Revelation Records ruled the day. Um, and then a year later, it was like New Age Records ruled the day. And then six months after that, Victory Records ruled the next decade. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. So, um, you know, that was, that was, you know, but Revelation, you 
know, all that stuff is like my canon, you know, that's like, that's like my foundation. And, you know, because of that, you know, I ended up going backwards, getting all the stuff on the plane and discord. So I really like listening to where it went podcast. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes some of those episodes go off the rails a little bit, they're a little long, <laughs> but they, they get, they do a really in-depth take um, on a lot of records that I really, really love. So yeah, yeah, so I would I would encourage anybody to listen to that. Um, and yeah, that's about all I, I really think of. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So I got one more question. This is the last one. We normally ask everybody this question, but uh, what is your guilty pleasure TV show that you really don't want anybody else to know that you watch it? Too hot to handle. Too hot to handle. <laughs> but, but yo, season two sucks. Like I tried to watch, I was like, the first season was hilarious. It was so dumb. Um, but this one, it was just like, they tried to do the same thing and like, it's so overtly dumb that I just like, I don't like, I didn't like anybody on the first season, but I really don't like anybody on the second season. Um, so my pandemic activity was literally like getting on zoom with like 12 friends and we would just watch a TV episode and talk together. And so I, it was actually a really like mentally and therapeutic helpful thing, but like we watched like 90 day fiance, you know, like, like just utter crap. We watched like everyone did we watched tiger king together but um i think too hot to handle was the one that we really enjoyed the most as a group um but yeah it was such a stupid show i Sorry, I, don't I had, really to, I had to jump on that one yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't really i don't really believe in the concept of a guilty pleasure um you know i think that there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure that's either pleasurable or it's not. Um, but I think as far as like cringy stuff, but I make posts about it all the time, but like as far as cringy TV that, that I know is cringy, but I fucking love every minute. I love Ink Master. I love Ink Master. I mean, I fucking love Ink Master. Like, I don't give a shit. Give me the best tattoo artist in the world, the worst fucking tattoo artist in the world. Throw them in a room and have the guy from James Addiction like pretend like he knows what the fuck he's talking about for an hour every episode i fucking love it i love it oh my god i fucking love it and it makes it even better because that guy was in the red hot chili peppers so like for a briefer like the, the most the most awful band in the fucking universe like it's just like this is great like i want to watch you know i i've watched that i you know that's one of the ones that just like you know i know it's super cringy um but I'm not. I'm not big. I'm not big on reality shows. I'm. I'm really not. Like I, I like scripted television, um, not sitcoms, but like like I like like drama, scripted drama, and, and scripted science fiction and stuff like that. Um, but the other show that that would kind of, you know, I don't know, kind of fall in that same realm in a way is I love Catfish. I fucking love. Oh love yeah. Catfish. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is just. It is just like. You can't fucking believe how dumb the people are. Like, like you just you like, dude. You know it's a fat guy sitting in his basement. Like the whole other, you know, it's like, they wouldn't they wouldn't FaceTime with me. They wouldn't call me. When they called me, it sounded like a different voice. Yeah, you're getting fucking captive. Like how do you how do you not how do you not do a Google image search as soon as you're suspicious of somebody and find out it's a fucking porn star's picture? Like, come on, catfish. <laughs> Oh, fucking catfish. Love it. 
Love it. I'm trying How to think long- if that was the same one where there was like this, um, oh, where they were trying to figure out these long distance relationships. And I remember there's this one lady named Yolanda. I'm not sure if it's the same show or not, but she, um, she was in this relationship, this relationship with this fake person named Williams, and she always called him Williams. I'm trying to remember the name of the show. It just like pops out oh. to me. Oh, I did you do either? You know the show I'm talking about? It came out last year. I have no idea. Oh, but it was it was a show Catfish. like that. I've, I've seen so many, I've seen every episode of Catfish, and the only ones I remember are the ones that like stand out. Like there was one episode. With like a rapper who's like in jail now, like a like a like a like a low tier rapper, uh, yeah. who's like a scam artist or whatever. Neeb took his fucking phone off his hand and threw it in the river. I fucking love that episode. And there's another episode where they they really threw you for a catfish loop because you're thinking the whole time it's got to be fake, right? Because it's like ten years beyond like the scene years, you know, with scene kids with their swoopy yeah. hair and their three lips. You know, they're, they're snake bite lip piercings and all that shit. And you're like, you're like, oh, this is fake. This is bullshit. Like, this girl is getting fucking catfished. Then the kid walks out of his parents' basement, and he's like a fucking scene kid, straight, like, preserved perfectly. Extended animation from, like, 2002. Like, he, like, just, like, walks out, and you're like, how the fuck is that person actually real in this day and age? And she wasn't being catfished. The kid was just, like, this shy kid who was going stuff and, like, I was just like, it was like one of the best episodes ever. It was like also the most infuriating because you want it to be like, you know, some guy that looks like me walking out and being like, you yeah. know. But no, it was like a legitimate like teen kid who was still a thing. It's like, yeah. it's like if Bigfoot <laughs> walked out of that basement. Like that's how shocking it was. Yeah. Anyway. No, okay, so I so I was actually referring to 90 Day Fiance when I was trying to think of who it was, but there was a there was a, there was a catfish scenario on there that was so like the woman would not believe that the person she was in a relationship with was not real at all. And like my friends and I were sitting here watching this, like, dude, lady, you are you are deranged, you are you are unhinged from reality. Like just yeah, accept it. There's, there's a cat. There's a catfish episode where a guy thinks he's in a relationship with Katy Perry. And after they reveal to him that he's never been talking to Katy Perry, he's been talking to some girl in the UK, she still doesn't believe that he wasn't in a relationship with Katy Perry. It's amazing. It's amazing. I think they even had Katy Perry on and being like, hey, I don't know who the hell you are. And he's like, yeah. oh, that's Katy. She's just playing. <laughs> <laughs> and her marriage to at the time she was married to that comedian guy that English Russell guy, Brand I can't remember his name at the title. Yeah, she was married to him at the time, and he's like, "Oh no, that's just that's just, that's not real. She's in a relationship with me." Like, dude, not only are you do you are you being catfish, but you're also mentally ill. Please help. <laughs> Nick, you, oh, you hit me with that question, man. So, yeah. awesome. Yeah, you well, got, you got paid double. You got paid double for that question, man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, it was great having you guys on. And uh, sorry, Wiley couldn't be here too, but uh, he says hey, and uh, can't wait to uh, check this interview out. So, you guys got anything else you want? Oh cool, yeah, I really. No, I just thought it was great. Like after about five minutes, when the ice started to get the break, we all got kind of in our, you know, got in our groove. I thought that it was it was, it was really great. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, no, I really appreciate really appreciate uh, you know like 
you know, that we connected, you know, really appreciate that you've like checked out the things that like, you know, that we've been involved with, you know, not just, not just this band, but also I appreciate, you know, what you've, you know, checking out and reviewing Discourage and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's been fun and really glad we got to be on this. Awesome. Yeah. We seriously, like, it just seems like everything we're finding right now, music wise from the scene has just been so good. And we, you know, like we get sent so much stuff and like the stuff we put on the show is the stuff we really do enjoy and really do like, and, and you guys just stood out. So yeah. Thank you for your, for uh, this last album, man. It's really good. Yeah. Thanks for joining. I hope if you order a copy, I hope if you order a copy on vinyl that you get the one that looks like a big piece of bologna. Nice. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it does. Hey, to, me, to me, it looks like it looks like if you went to like the soda fountain and just put all of the flavors in at the same time. Nice. That's how I describe it. So but it works. So you know. Awesome. Hey guys, I gotta I gotta I gotta bail though. I gotta get home to the kids. So all right, I'll man. See you guys later. Thank you so much, right, Jeremy. Take care. Thanks, Mick. Really appreciate everything. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, dude. All right. Take care, all right? Time for the next level. Woo! All right. It is that time of the show where we do album reviews and we're doing something just a little bit different. We've got one band. We've got one great album. Tell them what it is, Wiley. Yes, we have Tuning, the Woo. band Tuning, a beacon in impossible seas released july 2nd of this year 2021 nice. this album has five tracks right and right. track four is an obscure inside out cover that was only recorded live by inside out yeah 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 good stuff. Uh, should i keep going yeah the band is from the bay area right and yeah. concord california that's right. Tuning is on Indecision Records, formerly on Unity Worldwide. Right. This new EP was released on vinyl, limited to 200, mystery color only, no test presses, no variants. But I got one, and I've seen online other people got them. People just get weird colors, right? That's the mystery color right. thing? Yes, and... I, I'm trying to get the bologna colored one. I guess there's one that looks like yeah. a piece of bologna. And uh, so what's what's the bit that label posted it? They have a bologna one. Um, the one the label that has bitter truth on them. Oh, um, that's uh, patient zero. Yeah, patient zero records. They got a bologna colored one. Nice. I'm hoping to get one too. <laughs> the band had three releases, right? Yes. The Hanging Thread on Unity yeah. Worldwide in 2019, Defining the Purpose on Indecision in 2020, and Which, a Beacon. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say we reviewed that one a yes. couple episodes back. Yeah. We sure did. A Beacon in Impossible Seas on Indecision of this year, 2021. Yeah. So. You want, me so, to, you, you want me to talk about it first? Or you want to talk about it first? No, I want you, man. You want me to? All right. Mm -hmm. So I already like this band. Yes. And um, I like the band that Matt, uh, the guitar player for tuning, he plays in another band called Discourage. I like them a lot as well. Um, but there's something about tuning. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit in 
the review of the last album, uh, Defining the Purpose, the emotion behind uh, the songs and the and the lyrics and the push. And um, uh, the interesting thing that the singer brought up is in the, the first few albums, uh, there's actually references to Battlestar Galactica. So I got to go back and, <laughs> and listen to beats, those. I, beats, yes, <laughs> Bears and Battlestar Galactica. So I got to go back and listen to, and catch some of those songs. But when we talked about this album, he brought up the fact that everything that happened in 2020 and some of the things that were happening before, just the raw emotion all came out when they finally got back together to record this album. So for me, when that first track kicks in, one, it reminds me of some old school 90s um hardcore I, 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 it's reminiscent of shy allude to me and uh strong arm and uh just the just the the rhythm and everything it kicks in but man the vocals there's something about it that just it's definitely a 90s feel but there's just so much raw emotion behind some of these songs like you feel like the dude is puking these lyrics out and I don't mean that to be gross. It's just like, you can just, yeah, you just feel the raw emotion behind it. You just getting them out there to where you can hear it, feel it. And it, it's just an intense record to me. I love the first song, which is, I think is just, what's the first, is the first song just called reprise? Is that what it is? Um, I, I think so. Right. Yeah. Let's look it up. I think so. Or intro or whatever. Tuning. Yeah. It's reprise. Yeah, that song, just the the rhythm when it kicks in, I'm like, oh, it's, I just want to spin kick somebody, and I can't even spin kick. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's the band Placeholder? Their album came out the exact same day, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was bouncing back and forth from both those records. Yeah. For like For like three days straight, I was just listening <laughs> to both of them. They're yeah, both I, really good records. Yeah, I spent... Um, it was last Friday. I spent pretty much the whole day just listening to this this EP, and I just I just love it. And then being able to sit and chat with them and talk about, you know, the emotion behind all these songs just made it even, you know, listening to it now just makes it even better, takes it over the top. So for me, the song Reprise is killer, and then the song Pacific is another oh, yeah, song that that's is just really that's the last song, yeah, yeah, those are, those two. So um, yeah. which one do you want to drop? I want to drop reprise just because of that intro is just so, so nasty. Love it. Let's do it. Reprise. Right. Drop it. Boom. You said boom. I said boom. <laughs>
I give this album 4.5 cups of coffee out of five cups of coffee. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. I'd do that too, yeah. So they put, I wrote the question out that why didn't they put it on a seven inch? Right. And you and I were kind of texting back and forth. But to me, if you know you're not going to do a seven inch and you're doing five songs, just give us some more. (laughs) Give us one more, dude. Come on. (laughs) really you're gonna drop five songs for us and you know you're doing a 12 inch i know you know you got time to do another song (laughs) i think if they would have done one more hard-hitting song to kind of even it out even out the side i just i don't know i think that would have made it a complete solid record for me so to me it's nothing tone wise or it's there's no bad songwriting I just want a little bit more content. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. That you gave him a full five cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. A little bit more content. All right. Jerks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has that 90s youth crew kind of edge to it. Yeah. With a great recording to make this album a perfect, for me, a perfect mix of that nostalgic kind of 90s hardcore feel uh, mixed with some more newer hardcore with like kind of like mixed with like that kind of change feel yep you know what i'm saying oh yeah Yeah. uh it brought me back it did it brought me back and also at the same time it was something new and fresh so for that i dig it i like this five track ep i really wish it was longer i really do come on guys (laughs) give me more content the record before was like a full length right oh yeah oh yeah 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 it's it's cool i understand sometimes things don't work out especially during covid we did a record too in two minute minor that i wish we could have put more time into the stamp for something or fall for anything yeah we kind of had to do a couple covers on there with a few originals so i get it that stuff happens especially during covid i get it um but i super dig the vocal tone and delivery a lot yes on this album. a lot i love the vocals I love how the album kicks in with the heavy drums and guitar. And yep. then the second guitar comes in with a sick melody part. <laughs> That's cool. Right. I like how it makes it, it like, it made me like shake my head. Like, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> in agreement to what's going on kind of. Right. Um, that, since you're talking about that song, listen. Uh, it's a smart opener for sure. It, it is a smart opener. And uh, it just, I just remembered the first time I heard that I was like, this is a song that when I was younger and skinnier, (laughs) able to move a lot more, this would be that song that I would totally hang out on the stage, like off to the side. Like I'd be, you know, be ripping your skinny jeans on this one. No, I I never wore skinny jeans, Uh, (laughs) but I would be hanging off on the side. And then when it came to this, this part in the song where the guitar slides in, I would totally run and stage dive. Sure. Yeah. I would. I totally. The funny thing is, it just reminded me that um, when Six Feet Deep played Cornerstone one year, I was on stage with the guys in Disciple X, Disciple X, Mm -hmm. and we were all hanging out. And I I just told there was one song that Six Feet Deep did, and I I said, if there was ever a chance on a larger stage, I'm going to stage dive at that moment. And uh, I just remember I told I was joking around with Dan. Uh, from Disciple, and we were all joking around. He's like, dude, you got to do it. And he's totally pumped me up and had, was just rubbing my shoulders. And he's like, you ready, dude? You ready, dude? And then, like, that part came and totally pushed me. And I ran and, ch- and I wiped out like eight people. <laughs> you just like, no, nobody, no, nobody caught me. I just wiped people out. <laughs> and 
I, I know I made Matt Traxler like he just about busted a gut, like <laughs> couldn't play after that because I totally wiped people out. But yeah, so this that it kind of has that feel like I totally want a stage diver. Or yeah, roundhouse. It almost makes you feel like you're at a Gorilla Biscuit show that's just like packed. Yes, like that kind of energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love the guitar slide into that '90s hardcore bliss. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. The gang vocals on this record kept me hooked for sure. I think my favorite tracks are the first song, Reprise, which is what you picked, right? Yeah. And the song Pacific, I love the drive. I love the drive of the first track yeah. and how catchy the last track is. Like, yeah. that's what I love about both those. I was going to pick Reprise <laughs> as mine to drop, but I think I like them equally. So let's pick uh, Pacific, yeah? All right, yeah, let's drop that. Let's drop it now. So we t- we talked about uh, '90s hardcore bliss. This is the this is the crazy thing about um, about this. We talking to these guys in this album. Um, the singer messaged me after the interview, 
mm-hmm. and said, Hey, where do you live? And I said, I, I live in Sesame street. Yeah. Yeah. Sesame street. No, I live in Parkersburg, <laughs> Virginia. And he was like, Hey, and uh, uh, one of the first bands I was in their first show was in Parkersburg. It was in the wintertime. It was in 94. And so we start talking. And I'm like, I know well, you, you played at the sundowner, which was like a drive-in theater that got turned into a flea market slash. We had shows in the warehouse and then we start talking more and we find like he has the flyer and the flyer comes up i'm like oh my gosh i know the guys that put on that show we were just talking about that last year and i found the conversation that we were having in messenger and so i was copying and pasting that conversation to him he was like oh yeah i remember because this band was supposed to play but it snowed too bad and they couldn't be there so it's just small world for sure uh especially when you live on sesame street oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm dumb i'm sorry so. no that, that that is pretty crazy to be honest yeah it would have been crazier if zale played and you would have played the show i know and and the thing was is like did we play that show and then i went back and when he showed the flyer i was like no but i had like all the sundowner shows i went to when I, that was 94 so it would have been out of high school go almost probably turned 19 going to all these shows locally so yeah so that's crazy. Cool beans, 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 beans. <laughs> now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it. All right. Thanks for sticking it out with us one more time. Remember. Go like us on Facebook. <laughs> yes, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Go like us on Facebook and Instagram. And all the links are going to be posted in the show notes. So you can check out everything that you want to grab, get, and listen to for yourself. And also, hey, something that we just added every month uh, on the uh, on the links, we'll have a special Spotify playlist of the Ooh. bands that we talk about. Ooh there on the I show like that. so that's great i actually went and listened to that it's good stuff i thought what's a way we can give an easy way you know an easy way for listeners to check out what we're talking about what to listen to even stuff that we can kind of come up and we're like oh man this is good we gotta drop this before our next episode it'll all be in that playlist so i thought that was I, pretty cool i did notice it's all things all bands that we mentioned even on the show yes yeah but it was some bands that we mentioned that you edited it out, but you still kept on the show, which I thought was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, some people are going to listen to the podcast and listen to the playlist and be like, wait, they didn't talk about that band. But it was edited out. It was gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you like this new episode. Go and click on all the links and support the coffee companies, the band tuning, because they have a limited 12-inch record available. Oh, yeah. Right? Don't they? They, they, they still? Do. It's not sold out, is it? No, it's not sold out because I actually got one after we had our chat. So, yeah, because I thought they were gone, but they still had some left. So, yeah. But thank you, uh, everyone. Thank you to all the listeners for your support. Uh, you keep Coffee and Hardcore going and your yeah. listens and your likes and your share. All of that helps us keep putting out all this great content because, listen, we have got some really killer bands coming up in the next few shows. We do. We got like the whole rest of the year planned yes it's it's pretty insane who we got coming up so i'm pretty excited about that 
We are out of here. Goodbye for now until next month. Mike, drop that battle royale. Coffee and hardcore out of here. Boom, drop the mic like this, Nick. Coffee and hardcore, 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 coffee and hardcore,